We the bestest cast with the left twist. Not fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting to Get Down, White Sox, Dave, and Kenny Carkeet. With you from the band, as always, is your boy, Colin. We also have Kenny Bianco here. Ken, how are we today, buddy? Living. Living is a good answer, I guess. Uh, also here, back in New York, shamefully, is White Sox, Dave. Dave, how are you, buddy? Yeah, two weeks in a row I've been out here recording the show. It sucks. I hate this place. Bro, you look like you want to kill yourself. I got to be I, I do. I <laughs> I Sunday fun day yesterday. Um, I typically like the Sunday fun day because you start early and you end early mm. without getting into too many details. And it wasn't me. There's puke over. There was puke over like every inch of my apartment last night. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> it was, it was an acquaintance. Oh, okay. And, um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, there was jeans and clothes in my, in my bathtub this morning, just completely soaked. There's puke everywhere. I oh, like, you had to get on a flight this morning? Yeah. That, well, we'll get into that part later. Fair enough. Uh, also here, just absolutely smoking the weed, Mr. Kenny Carkey. Kenny, how are you today, buddy? No, that's addictive, right? <laughs> that's addictive. Yo, what up, Al? That's a gambling <laughs> drug, you fucking pothead. Yeah, <laughs> how are you bud good man hanging chilling chilling hanging best day of my life how may I help? oh my god we got dave all hungover and we got fucking kenny here with sunglasses on <laughs> he's coughing along <laughs> what an idiot dude oh my god guys very happy to have everybody here today just so much good stuff going on i just want to stay optimistic to start out i know dave's hungover and is in new york and he's depressed but i just want to say there's so much good shit going on we just had another single come out like it that way it's hitting a bunch of radio we got a bunch of we got a shout out on iHeartRadio today from mike jones from dc 101 we got a podcast shout out on dc 101 millions of people heard that shit on the guest list uh what's the other thing that happened oh yeah tim tebow's back in the nfl let's go <laughs> such a loser you have to choose between the Knowles or the gators when you're born it's on your birth certificate you just choose one and then it doesn't matter what happens just who you fucking ride or die for i'm a gators guy i know so... the Evo, whatever but like i'm kind of pumped all right let's let dave say his piece go ahead dave i like i there's a lot of athletes i fucking hate but at the same time, I respect the people I hate. Like Aaron Rodgers has made my life completely miserable. And before him, Brett Favre did. I hate those two motherfuckers, but those are the two best, two the best quarterbacks of all time. I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. Damn. Tom Brady, I think he's the most overrated athlete ever. I fucking hate his guts. But at the same time, I respect six rings, seven rings, however many he's got. Now I lost count. Got a lot of them. Um, Tim Tebow, I have no respect for, though. That's a great college quarterback. I Like maybe the best college football player of all time just him the Mets letting him play baseball for them because of what he did in at Florida in 2008 makes me sick to my stomach it's fair and then <laughs> like it's like it's a bunch of free handouts because of like and he's not good you know that scene in Happy Gilmore when the chick leaves in the beginning and it's like it's there's only one problem happy you're not any good like that's what <laughs> I think of it's like dude you stink all right, all right. Get the fuck out of my face, Tim Tebow. I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> Go ahead, Kenny. What do you got to say? Because he's religious. <laughs> why? Why Tim Tebow? Why him? Okay, I'm not. I don't need to back Tim Tebow, but two NCAA championships, and if you watched either one of them, were fucking kind of all time. Should he be a quarterback in the NFL? Probably not. Could he be a rad tight end? 
Probably. Did he get a fair shot at doing it? No, because of all Yes, he did. (laughs) All right, all right, hold on. I'm going to step in here as a fucking impartial third party, being that we got Florida boy, and Dave obviously hates his guts. I love Tim Tebow for what he did at Florida. He was like my favorite athlete when I was in high school. That's why I was number 15. I fucking love Tebow. Can I look at this objectively and say this is fucking stupid? Absolutely. This is so dumb. <laughs> he should not be a fucking tight end in the NFL. You know what's going to happen? And Dave, I'm going to remember this day when this happens. The Jags are somehow going to get in like maybe a wild card. And you know Tebow is going to make some dumb play <laughs> to like get them to win the game. And then it's going to be all over Sports Center. For fucking that, fumble that Ruski and it'll be like the Tebow miracle. It's exactly what's going to happen. I look, I know it's dumb. Dave is right in this circumstance. I know that Tim Tebow does not deserve to be an NFL quarter or a tight end, but it's hilarious. So let's move past that. Let's move past that. Kenny, I have a question for you because we just dropped new music, right? And this is before we get into on the list, off the list. But for all the musicians out there, everybody has to wonder this. Kenny, why the fuck do they have pre-saves on Spotify? Because it used to be how many streams you have was what the everybody would look at, the industry would look at. Now it's gone deeper. Now it's how many pre-saves did you get and how many likes on the song did you get, which is also called a click-through, right? So like anything above 30% on a click-through rate for Spotify is like usually where you'll start to get attention. But again, it's more of the fucking game that's fucking bullshit. It's so goddamn stupid. Dave, let me me ask you a question to someone who's not a musician. If if an artist posted pre-save my new single that you can easily just click on as soon as it fucking drops... Wouldn't you be like, that's kind of a stupid thing to do? I don't. So I don't know if this is exactly what you guys are talking about, but I have grown to absolutely loathe YouTube because every time my car connects <laughs> my phone to Bluetooth, it starts automatically playing the preloaded YouTube album, and it's I've listened to that first the first twenty seconds of that first song a thousand different times now, and I fucking hate it. And is, is it, it kind of like what you're talking about? No. So on Spotify, what on Spotify, what you do is for some reason, your distribution wants you to post that you can now pre-save our single on Spotify, which like literally before it's out, before it's out you li- it literally just saves it to your library, but it has no real use. It's literally another way for labels and fucking like streaming services to like quantify how. Okay. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. You. Pre-save, by the way, shout out our future leaders. I played drums on this song, but he just did a pre-save thing because that's the fucking game that you have to do. And it's fuck. it doesn't mean anything, but I'm not doing that. It does. I used to have people in our distribution be like, yo, you need to push the pre-saves. And I literally would send back an email. Why? It's fucking stupid. Because a label, if the label's interested in you and they look at your fucking click-throughs and that kind of shit, they're 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 glancing at your stream count, but they're looking at your save count. That's what the fucking see. I being in social media, it's it's very similar to that. Like the Mm. like is that that's what you monetize is the like and and the click-through engagements. It's how engagement. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that shit is fucking. I fucking hate it too so much. I'm with you a thousand percent. At the same time, it's like, it's the fucking Game of Thrones of any industry. The industry pivots this way and you got to fucking do this. The industry pivots that way. I get it. I just did not pressure any of my guys in the band to be like, guys, make sure you push pre-saves today. Because I know everybody would look back at me and be like, why? (laughs) About Spotify, the bigger market or the bigger engagement is the save once it's out is that right i know that i know i always push that people to save it is like 
They won't talk to you if, if you have anything less than 15% save through. And once you start getting into 30%, then radio will start to give you more love and that kind of shit. It's so stupid. Well, that was a fucking dystopian mess. I'm glad I asked that question. Uh, before we get into music news, just want to say our guest today, motherfucking Doug Ellen, the creator and writer of Entourage. I have to say this was my favorite interview of all time. This was one that would, personally for me and Ken, I know for a fact, we were like, holy shit, this is a fucking watershed moment for us. I was excited. The interview turned out amazing. We talked about their podcast that him and Kevin Dillon and Kevin Conley have, Victory. We talked about the history of the show, the music on the show. We asked all the fucking stupid questions we ever could have wanted to know, and he answered every single one of them. That's my favorite part about any interview in general is when you don't get, like, the cookie-cutter response, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, how'd you feel today on the mound? Oh, you know, my fastball. It's like, no, it's like, oh, I was dotting eyes at this pitch. Like, this guy opened up. Yeah, like he 100%. was completely unabridged, unapologetic. He laid it all out there on the line. It was a fucking great interview. Dude, talking about how the culture has changed, talking yep. about how much control he had at, H- at HBO to pick the music for the show, talking about wanting to cast certain people for certain roles, and I'll leave that for later in the interview because the casting choices would have been fucking awesome. Like, I'm very glad as to, like, who they did pick, but goddamn, the names they wanted were pretty fucking awesome. But... The Doug Ellen interview is fucking spectacular. It's a long one. We're going to keep the segment short today. But, dude, trust me when I say, stick around for that. Uh, let's go into music news. I got a couple here that's going to lead us into On The List. Another major festival just dropped the lineup. Firefly dropped the lineup today. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. And I keep saying this because we just booked our first really big show. Uh, we're playing with Jane's Addiction and Cheap oh, Trick. And, Speak yeah, of the Devil. Speak of the yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I told Ken that he has to make sure that I don't. Uh, get hammered and start yelling at James Addiction to just play the Entourage song yeah. over and over and over again. Uh, so we're with James Addiction, Cheap Trick. Is this Firefly you're talking about? No, no. This is a show for a radio station that we're doing in South Jersey uh, for WMMR. Uh, but Fire- That's a loaded fucking lineup. Yeah, it's going to be dope, man. I can't wait. I'm putting Dave on stage at that show, by the way. I'm going to make Dave come on stage. What date is that? Uh, September 25th. Doable. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Mark it down. Uh, but no, Firefly in the lineup was uh, Billy Eilish was a headliner. The Killers, who headline fucking Firefly every year, they they headlined when we played. I got to see the No Doubt reunion at Firefly. No I got to see Courtney no at Firefly. Oh, that was a good year. I played one of the best shows of my life. Then you, then we were at the same. I played uh, one of the best shows of my life at Firefly. Firefly is a great festival. And the whole time you're like, I'm in fucking Delaware. <laughs> you're in dover son fucking people yeah. coming from bro this is nuts had a little mini motorcycle i'd ride around the whole fairgrounds and shit it was so sick Beautiful. oh random funny story my uh, bare hands another band <laughs> i love so much buddies of mine one of the the singer was like on my dirt bike i let him ride it and my sound guy bob strakel who does sound for slipknot now uh <laughs> didn't know that I gave him permission. And so Dylan's just riding on my little 50 CC and Bob comes running out of the side and <laughs> fucking pummels him to the ground thinking that he like stole it or something like that. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> oh, good. He's like, sorry, bro. Anyway. Oh my God. That's good to know though. If someone does steal it. Yeah. We're going to steal it eventually. It and I'm just going to wait for Bob to fuck me up. So I'm ready for that. Fuck you up. <laughs> Uh, so other than that, a couple big releases this week. Obviously we dropped. Uh, Kenny Hoopla dropped another song with Travis Barker, which by the way, Fucking awesome. I really, I love Kenny Hoopla, man. Great wow. shit. Uh, but the big drop today, or this week, was J. Cole. J. Cole comes out with the interlude to his album that he's dropping this week. And J. Cole goes number one. It, he rapped for 40 seconds on the track. Went number one across all platforms. I'm going right into it. That's our music news. My on the list this week hey, is hey, J. You, you missed one, though. 
What? Did you guys listen to Van Weezer or not? No, I didn't get into Van Weezer yet. It wasn't as good as Okay Human. Okay Human, like I immediately listened. I'm like, this is a fucking awesome album. Van Weezer, I was like, it it could be good to me, but it's going to take a few listens. Bro, they're drop they're dropping music like crazy. I told you guys my funny uh, uh, river story. No, but I'd love to hear it. So they're the sweetest guys on the planet. Uh, they love to like play frisbee with all the other bands backstage, soccer, all that kind of like they're super personable people. Anyway, so I got to become kind of friends with River and Aaron, my singer, did a lot of music with them. I'm gonna respond to our emails, by the way. Yeah, pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do that. Anyway, so. Um, I watched Weezer play and then I went back to my green room and then I went in to go to Weezer's green room to go say hi to him, tell him good job or whatever that kind of shit. I shit you not. I walk in and Rivers is pantsless in his underwear, standing in a trash can filled with ice and water because he has like fucked up feet or ankles or something like that. So I walk in and he's just. (laughs) Hey Rivers, I guess I'll just leave you alone right now. Dude, I thought you were going to say I opened up the door and Rivers Cuomo was having an orgy, just piles of cocaine everywhere. I was going to be like, that makes no sense to me. Of that guy. Poor guy is more shy than you've ever seen in anybody in the whole world. I got to check out Van Weezer. I got to give it a chance because OK Human was fucking awesome. Shouts out our boy Pete Lyman for mastering that shit. That's right. Shouts out Pete Lyman. Uh, So like I said, let's go on on the list. My on the list today, J. Cole, for a number of reasons. One, I cannot wait for the album. Uh, The off season is dropping on Friday. Cole does no wrong in my eyes. I fucking love J. Cole. Uh, He is also, he played college basketball at St. John's. He actually just signed a 10-day contract with a professional basketball team in Rwanda. Hmm. Because the... The Detroit Pistons gave him said they were going to give him a tryout. He can shoot, and he's also like 6'7". He's a big motherfucker. So, J. Cole on my list for a number of reasons. Cole World, fucking off-season on Friday, baby. Let's go. I'm one of those like nerdy J. Cole fans where everything he does. He's one of the fucking best to do it. Ever. He really is. And, yo, watch the documentary that dropped today that he put out. It's like 15 minutes long. Incredible to watch. He's a fucking animal so shout out jay cole probably won't watch that but i like really like him a lot (laughs) (laughs) all right ken who's on your list so i got um andrew wk (laughs) bringing it back he's party he's dating cat denny's now which apparently they came out as a couple appropriate somehow i like it makes sense to me yeah Yeah, right it kind of like clicks but he was wearing a black shirt which i was like whoa (laughs) he always wears a white shirt and like white jeans and dirty white sneakers so i was like this is kind of weird have you guys ever looked into the the what's on my list is the conspiracy theory that Andrew WK isn't real. <laughs> Have you ever heard about this? No, but I'm intrigued. There was this whole I don't want to go too long with it, but his first album, I Get Wet, which awesome album. album. He had a guy produce and write it called Steve Mike or something that then like hacked into his website and sent messages to fans like threatening Andrew WK. Apparently, people think this. Then Andrew WK came out and said, "Mike Steve was the name I used to go by. Ignore him. It's an old friend trying to like talk shit, trying to ruin me." So is it Mike Steve? So then apparently he played a show in '04, which people said was Mike Steve, not Andrew WK, and he went off stage halfway through, and the show got canceled. Security guards and fans were like, "That's not Andrew WK. That's <laughs> someone else." And now there is a whole internet conspiracy theory because. If you look at photos, he looks kind of different through the years. And even now, I saw the black shirt, and I was like, that doesn't look like Andrew WK. 
This is some fucking Paul McCartney. I am the walrus shit. There like is Paul McCartney think dies. It's the Illuminati, Illuminati or Scientology. Some people think it's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl invented Andrew WK to make the perfect rock star. See, Fair. That, I mean, that, that seems to make sense to me. But yeah. I saw the black shirt and I was like, hmm, is that him? I don't know. Ken's got his tinfoil hat over here in the corner. He's fucking I actually subscribed. kind of love this. I've never heard Dave, this. Dave, I'll send you, this I'll is send the you kind an article of about it. My brain fucking moving too. All that I'd say is we need to get Andrew WK or Mike Steve, wherever the fuck it is, on the podcast. And we need to ask him this question personally. I think that's a great idea. There we go. All right, we cracked that one. Dave, who's on your guest list? Uh, airport beers. There we go. And, and it's yeah. a two thing. Airport beers and airport McDonald's. First of all, the hash browns like fucking bathe me in them from McDonald's. Oh yeah, totally. and but for some reason at the airport they're just all that better, all of them that much better. They're incredible at the airport. Then you you pound a couple, like a number two with an extra hash brown, then you go straight to the bar and you have an airport beer. It doesn't like for some reason society just doesn't give a shit when <laughs> what time you're drinking at the airport. At the airport. It's acceptable all hours of the day. Oh, when you're so, a touring fucking band traveling the world and you're in the airports every goddamn day of your life and it's 7 a.m. and one of you one of you is drinking a martini, the yeah. other one's having a bloody mary, the other one's having a giant beer, and you're like, This oh. is you after South by a couple years ago oh. when you flew out fucking hammered. No, the, first off, Dave's off the list is airport diarrhea. I can guarantee that after that <laughs> list of stuff. Look at I mean, <laughs> you're you're at you're all, you're you're pretty close. You're pretty close. <laughs> all right, we'll fucking save it. Uh, Kenny, who's who's on your list? My fucking fat ass chose for on my list this this uh, this episode is Milk Bar cereal milk. Have you ever fucking had Milk Bar before? It's a New York thing that moved to L.A. It's also in Vegas, so they use cereal milk like the end of a cereal bowl. The milk I love that. Make your fucking froyo bullshit, right? With toppings and the girds and the stuff and the things. It's the most delicious shit you've ever had. Full fat, fucking dank. There's one in LA now. It's called Milk Bar. It's fucking rad. There's like hold on a second. Hold on. Whose cereal milk is it? I don't know, bro. It's like it's like flake. Like look it up. It's called Milk Bar. It's just like cereal milk ice cream. It's I'm just saying. If it was like my fucking cereal milk, cool. But I don't want some nasty fat fuck. Oh, the guy in the back like just over at the restaurant kind of shit. It <laughs> tastes like fucking cereal milk. Like what? They fucking empty the bus pin? They fucking... It's real shit. Listen, Kenny, motherfucker. Kenny, real quick, on the count of three, drop the, I want, because I think I'm going to know what your answer is, and I'm going to say it at the same time you do. At the count of three, best cereal milk on the planet, all right? Just say it. One, One two, two, three. Cinnamon Toast Flakes. Oh, oh, cinnamon toast crunch is banging, especially with the shrimp in it. All That's the banging. Fuck? Wait, wait, shrimp? You know, remember that shit that happened with I, cinnamon toast I crunch? Call bullshit on that guy. I do too. You didn't hear oh, about that with the guy with the with the shrimp tails and the cinnamon toast crunch? No. What is this? This uh, sounds. You disgusting. didn't hear about this? This motherfucker went on Twitter and basically said, like, I just like he posted this whole thing. He's like at Kellogg's. I just got this fresh bag of cinnamon toast crunch and I found a bunch of shrimp tails in there, and, the, and like they were cinnamon toast crunch hit back and was like. Nah, man, that's just fucking, uh, it's like sugar. And then he like zoomed up on it. And I guess somebody in the factory was just eating shrimp and like threw it in the fucking batches. Turns out the guy was married to Depenga Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, I think I did hear this. Yeah. And he's like fucking friends with Roan from Barstool. And he's like best friends with John Mayer. I did hear this. Yeah, There's yeah. Levels this. to this story. I yo. don't believe it. I think this guy put shrimp tails in there to have fun because then he like, took him to a lab, and I was like, yeah. "All right, this guy cares too much." Yeah. Then he went on a whole fucking thing it for was days. Just a picture of the open cereal bag with a couple shrimp tails in it. It's like 
is that proof? First of all, yeah, no, that's not proof. But who the fuck, like, in, that has any mental capacity at all would be sitting there on, like, the assembly, assembly line of Cinnamon Toast Crunch just going to town on a couple shrimps, like, dipping them in the cocktail sauce. Hey, stuff. asshole, I don't want to say this, but I don't think people working at the Kellogg's factory are fucking Harvard graduates, yeah? I don't think they're sitting around, like, like going through MIT. I don't think they're going through fucking MIT, uh, like, applications. No, that's disgusting. Like, that, yeah, it's gross. Any education to do that. That's just nasty. Also, if you find shrimp tails in your cereal, fucking man up and you eat those shrimp tails. That's what you have to do. It's part of the Hey, have you guys, like, if you saw a hair in your food, would you, like, send it back? No. Dude, I'm so non-confrontational that I would just be like, fuck it. Yep, that's how I am too. My old I've... finger, bro. Oh my God. Every meal he'd ever get would be, he'd be like, this is wrong. That's wrong. Or like uh, he's a vegetarian. So he'd be like, is that chicken? And the guy's like, no, that's not chicken. He goes, that's fucking chicken, man. He's like, nice. bro, it's so embarrassing. Trust I me. said my first meal back of my entire life last summer, I was at Chicago Cut, which is one of our like high-end, high-end uh, steakhouses. Mm-hmm. And I asked for a porterhouse medium rare. And it was like, well done, well done. That's like, reasonable. reasonable. I felt like a fucking dickhead doing that. Like, I tipped even more than I would have if they didn't fuck up my steak. Can I tell you something? I worked at a Texas Roadhouse all throughout college. Underrated. Shout out Texas Roadhouse. Great company to work for, too, by the way. I fucking love that job. That uh, I used to pray. I would bring people out like a fucking, like a 24-ounce bone-in ribeye, blackened, like black and blue, so it'd be like rare on the inside, black on the outside. And I would pray. I'd be like, "Can you cut into that for me and let me know how that is?" And they'd be like, "Ah, it's overdone." And I'd be like, "Shame, I'll get you another one." I go in the back and just eat the shit out of that, bro. Eat the shit out of it. I ate so many steaks that came back. I don't want to say this and get texted right out in trouble. But. Can I say that I'm more grossed out by a well done steak than I am by a hair? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Fair. Absolutely. Uh, off the list for me is the mayor of Easttown, the show on HBO. And I want to say this. It is not because it's bad. It's fucking amazing. It is because it causes me and Ken to look in the mirror and realize how fucked up our accent is. I saw your Holy- tweet, and I was going to fucking bring that up in this episode because I do watch Mayor of Easttown, and it's fucking awesome, and I hate the accents. And then you made that tweet, and I was like, holy fuck, that's fucking you, asshole. <laughs> that is my – yo, first <laughs> off, that is – it's a dramatized version of the accent because – I it makes my skin crawl when she they there's there's certain words that we say that she harps on too hard. Anything with like when she's like, nah, dude, he wasn't home tonight. I hate that. When you overdo the ooms, you're trying too hard. I'm with you, brother. I'm from the south, and when I hear a bad southern accent, oh fucking drives. It's not even that it's bad, it's cartoonishly over the top. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. Like someone like uh what's his name? Evan Peters. There's one moment in that show. He's the other cop named Colin, the skinny motherfucker. And uh, there's one moment that was so Philly and it was like so dead on. He goes, he's calling for like the canine dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, he's like, I'll call for him. And he goes, I need all the canine dogs. And he pauses and he goes, dude, I don't care if you're fucking off or not. You're sending fucking dogs right now. And I was like, oh shit, that's so dead on. That's exactly, it was exactly like me. I would have said, dude, I don't give a shit how many fucking dogs you got. You're going to send them over. I was like, that was good. Kate Winslet, a little bit too over the top. She's doing a great job acting, but like, I just don't need to hear you say, wow, I hoagie nine times. It's fucking. Oh, she kills it though. The fact that she just walks around drinking a rolling rock and, and vaping in the pen, middle of a fucking everywhere. Couldn't make it more Delco than that. Yeah. If, <laughs> if she was, dude, like the Delco uniform is like Hanes sweatpants. For, for like girls is like Hanes sweatpants, a wife beater, an off-colored bra, two different colored socks, and like smoking while you're pregnant and you're fucking in, dude. Like you're, you're right there. Yeah, I think Delco is the south side like... of Chicago. Scumbags. Yeah, Scumbags. You nailed yeah, it, dude. Yeah, Ken, 
Yeah, exactly. It really is like my neighborhood. <laughs> it really is. Although they make it look like a fucking coal mining town. It's and not. they never fucking they like a lot of people never leave that fucking area. Like they're okay. there for life. And they like they wear that scumbag like a fucking badge of honor on their chest. Shout out Smitty. Smitty knows what the deal is. And he it's knew. true because like your family, my mom's one of eight. Everyone still lives in Delco, basically. I have cousins just everywhere. The entire Budney clan lives around the corner from each other. So you don't have to worry about it, bro. Shout out Northeast Philly. Shout out Delco. Fucking accent. Ken, who's off your list? I guess Elon Musk and Dogecoin. That kind of fell fucking flat. I hope Dogecoin, we talked about this. I hope it fucking goes into the negatives and people owe them <laughs> or something. Like, I, so I sold when it got hot. I bought it last July, July 12th or something. So going on nine, 10 months or whatever. And I sold it at 13 cents and I made about 2,500 bucks, which is, you know, 2,500 bucks, a lot of money. There you go. And I bought $50 worth. And then later on that day, if I would have sold it, I would have made 7,500 and it was getting towards like, you would have made 10 grand. And I want to shoot, shoot another motherfucker to Bob Baffert. <laughs> I hate this fucking cocksucker more than anything on the planet. Ashley Schaefer looking motherfucker. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I said. So this motherfucker, and this is a complete tangent, but I have to get it Go out. It. He, so... I'm into horse racing. I own a couple of horses, not to brag. And um, it's really, really, really difficult to find someone who will take a futures bet on the Kentucky Derby because it's so wide open. And it's such a specific, specific bet that all the sharps that really, really, really know what they're doing can find horses like at what I got. I got, so I bet this horse, Mandelown, who came in second at the Derby by this much at 9,500 to one odds. I put $100 on it. He, he, he went off at like 25 to one or something. And I thought it was still a longer shot, but he fucking came in second by this much to a horse that was fucking roided out because that cocksucker Bob Baffert, who shouldn't be in horse racing. Like, cause he's just a cheating scumbag. This is like sixth violation or something. Oh yeah. In the last few, in the last like 13 months. Yo, can I tell you something, Dave? Ken faded you and won. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> Dave, I took your horse to place. So there you go. So you, what'd you win? I, I don't I don't even know what the but I could I see down. I couldn't even hedge the bet because oh. like it, it I would like it wouldn't have made sense because it's such a wide open field so I couldn't be like all right well let's bet him to hit the board like and you can't bet him to not hit the board I wanted that's I want to kill Bob Baffert like I want him to <laughs> yeah, I gotta delete this because the FBI agent in my fucking computer is watching me right now just taking notes yeah <laughs> I'm speaking Dave. Jesus. All right, Kenny, who the fuck is off your list before Dave starts killing people? Fucking Travis Barker, dude. God fucking damn it. You said his name earlier, and I wanted to go straight into it there, but um, I'm not really that mad about it. But, like, I've never been a huge Travis Barker fan. Neither have I. I kind of like the old Blink stuff, like Cheshire Cat and Buddha, like the real old shit. But, like, if I see one more picture of him and Kourtney Kardashian, I'm going to fucking blow my fucking brains out. Like, Name any other guy who's gone through that fucking circus and has come out whole on the other side. Nobody. Name, name a fucking one. You know what Travis I mean? Travis Scott is the only one. And but I think he's. And bear, I mean, like. Yo, he... can I say something about this whole situation? It's odd to me that after being in the music industry and being successful and kind of riding the outskirts of the music industry, being in Blink, being kind of a bad boy for all these years, now he is like the major label, like go-to puppet for a feature when it comes That's to these. My, like that comes to, that comes to my second point was like, he's featured on so much awful, awful music, 
awful. Shit, and he plays the same fucking shit with the same fucking kid on the same fucking shitty songs. So fucking sick of it. Anyway, I'm just like, fucking fuck Travis. I do fuck with the Kenny Hoopla stuff he's doing. I love that Kenny Hoopla shit. So I want to give a shout out to him. Like, that's the problem. Like, don't even fuck. Oh, look, another fucking Travis Barker feature. You're a fucking drummer. Shut up. That's what he does. He takes EDM songs and it'll be like, and here's the Travis Barker remix. And it's just him playing. Here's what this would sound like if Travis Barker played him. Ah, it's like, basically. It is with, I keep saying this, there's this weird incestuous community in LA right now that is like producing absolute dog shit music. But it is like everywhere, and I don't think anybody looks at it and goes, "Dude, this is so awesome! I love the scene that's going on out there." It's like literally like a little incubator going on out there, and people are just like, "Okay, just keep feeding it. Hopefully, one of these things is okay." I don't know. And Travis Barker's just mixed up in it, fucking Courtney Kardashian. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. he. I mean, do you guys watch South Park? Yeah, of course. You you know the old this is from like season five. I want to say the uh, the Loch Ness monster episode. Oh, it's one of my show. favorite, dude. The Kardashians are succubuses. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. They will. They, they end lives. <laughs> like not actually end lives, but the, like you don't like like Kenny said, you don't come out all there at the end of a Kardashian relationship. It's like their brother. You, you look at fucking uh, the main guy. Fucking look at goddamn uh, Lamar. Look at fucking like like. There, you're forgetting one giant name. Oh, who? Kanye oh, to the right, right. Kanye, like, listen, like, fucking same as it ever was, man. Let's there's a, there's a pattern here, ladies and gentlemen. Can we yeah, check Chris, it out? Chris Humphreys like, is the smartest one. He Chris Humphreys made out, bro. He's like, <laughs> his... yeah, fuck, man. All right, well, that's on the list, off the list. God damn, that was fucking weird. I didn't man. get to my off the list yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was uh, airport diarrhea. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> airport hangovers. Oh, yeah, it's that's like, a shitty one. It's so I had an early flight today. Um, I was still drunk when I got to the airport. I popped a bunch of edibles. I was <laughs> on cloud fucking nine for that flight. I like, saw that fucking like, picture uh, that Carl uh, put up of you, and you were just like in a fucking ball in the airport. <laughs> I back that fully, though. Like, there's something really special about being that point of being too fucked up at the airport where you're kind of questioning yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vape pants, right. And I'll go in the bathroom and I'll suck that dick off that weed vape. <laughs> and you're like, Holy fuck. Dude, there, so I brought, I don't have it on me. I brought a little, a little hitter of three G. It's like our, it's the, it's a THC thing that we, we advertised with awesome product. I fully endorse it. And I'm not even just saying that cause they do advertise with us. And I was like looking around at this point, I'm like super fucked up and I'm in the gate and I, I, I hit it a couple of times and then I tried to blow it into my shirt. So there wouldn't be a cloud of fucking smoke around me. And it went through my shirt and there was a cloud of fucking smoke <laughs> around me. So I'm like looking around, like all fucking paranoid to think like, oh, these guys are going to think like I have fucking bomb strapped to me or something. Dude, so I'm like, all fucking tweaking out. I'm like, dude, dude, it was just, it was just, it was just vape smoke. It was just vape smoke. You I'm like sitting there on the airplanes a lot and then like i remember one time my fucking drummer isaac was like give me that fucking thing and he was sitting next to the window and his window was open so the sun was coming out and he just fucking ripped it so hard and the plume of smoke (laughs) with the sunlight going through it and a guy next to us goes they're smoking (laughs) without without a fucking half a second Got up, went straight to the bathroom, and locked myself in there for like ten minutes. Like a fucking Jesus, <laughs> dude. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, when I was out in LA right for a quarantine, when I was with you, uh, I went up at the hotel or I went up at the fucking airport bar in LA, and I'm sitting next to this dude, and he saw I had my Eagles hat on, and he was like, "Oh, dude, I'm flying back to Philly too." He bought me like fucking 
10 drinks and we're just talking. I was on the airplane, like spitting on the ground. I was so fucked up. <laughs> I was just like drooling. Yo, my phone died like 10 minutes into the fucking flight because I forgot to charge it for five and a half hours. I sat there ready to fucking puke, just drunk out of my fucking mind, just like spitting on the ground between my legs, trying not to puke on the plane. <laughs> the airport's like another dimension where like oh, the rules man. are different. They, they, they really are. I, but you were talking so. My, my our boy Dante, you guys haven't really talked to Dante too much, but Twitter um, interactions. He he's he's in the restaurant industry in Chicago, among many other industries. But uh, he's like, you gotta come in and try these wings. You gotta come in and try these wings, and the wings are fucking fire. But I've been getting them delivered to my place, and he's like, no, you gotta come in. So last night we went in, and I got the wings, and I was like, and I woke up, and I I got that feeling in my stomach that, <laughs> and I was like, fuck, dude, I got a flight, like I gotta fix this. <laughs> And thank God I, because I can't imagine in those little fucking two by two bathrooms. Oh yeah. Like I can't imagine that's a good place to have diarrhea. I we did. Call it, we call that three where we're from. It's not yeah, one. Yeah, it's no, not two. Yeah, number three. Like You're fucking. Yeah. You you don't even take it three. You launch three or heave or spew. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're yeah, fucking yeah. pulling up like Steph Curry <laughs> from the logo to shooting three all day. Puking out of your mouth and shitting out of your ass. I call that, I call that the rooster. And I got to go fucking roost in the bathroom. My drummer one time was roostering from Europe to LA. He got food poisoning like the night before our 12 hour flight. And he spent the whole flight just. This is some high class shit right here, bro. I love this. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go right into our interview with Doug Allen. We'll come back out. We'll do what the fuck we've been listening to, but we need to get to this interview because it's that fucking good. I'm so excited for this. This is a moment that I've been waiting for for a while. So let's go into our interview with our friend Doug Allen. Right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have the writer and creator of Entourage, Mr. Doug Ellen, on the podcast today. Doug, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Philly, Philly in the house. Yes, no, sir. <laughs> no eating horse shit, though. I don't want that going on today. We can't promise anything. Yeah, we can't promise anything, bro. We're, we're dirtbags. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I've got a lot of good friends from Philly, but I'm a real New York fucking anti-flyers anti i mean Phillies. look if, if you came on and you weren't anti i'd be pissed like if you, if you weren't like fuck the flyers fuck the eagles i'd be made honestly that's how it's you, supposed to be man you're supposed it to is. like i know but you guys you guys are young you don't even understand the islanders flyers rivalry of well, 79 sh- through 83 i mean i hated fucking bobby clark you, you guys probably don't even know who that street is. boys baby get yeah. the fuck out of here i know everything dude animals well, it, well, first off, you guys kicked the shit out of us last year. So I, you know, I'll hold that against you. But <laughs> either way, man, uh, we always start out with one question or a point, right? We always try and get right to the point. So the one thing about Entourage for me is the fact that people, like fans, have such a connection to the characters that you created. And I just want to say, just to show you I'm not bullshit and I really know what I'm talking about, I want to show you a picture real quick. This is my dog, right? He's Looking a beautiful... Dog. He's a beautiful black lab German Shepherd Husky mix. His name is Vincent Chase. Swear <laughs> to God, it. on I my life, it. my I dog's name is Vincent Chase. Did you, when you were creating the show, ever think that people would have such a connection to these fucking characters? I mean, obviously, you can't ever imagine what's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, I killed myself to make it as good as I could. And then, you know, you let the cards fall where they may. I mean, I... Obviously, casting was a huge part of it. And I worked really hard to get guys that reminded me of guys that I grew up with. And then 
the alternate cast, which, you know, since we're talking Philly, you know, Scott Kahn played Scott Lavin, who is my yeah. boy, my boy from Tulane, who's from Philadelphia. But um, so, you know, it was really important to find authentic guys that were essentially it was inspired by Wahlberg's life, obviously. But I when I started writing, have to make it things that I can relate to. And I just took people that I grew up with. And from the minute I cast those guys, we all kind of just bonded. So. I was mean, it like a James Cameron type thing, or not James Cameron, a no, Cameron Crow rather, with like what? almost famous. What about him? Where it, like almost famous was loosely based on Cameron Crow's life. Uh, yeah. Was that like so? That's what it was for you. Well, I mean, Cameron Crow wrote his own experiences of being a rock journalist and all that stuff. Me, Mark came to me and said, "I want to do a show about me and my friends." Which you know, I love Mark and I love his friends, but. I hate Boston and that whole fucking idea of that. So he was great enough to go, you know, you make it your own. So I would use Mark's obvious movie star experience as much as I could relate to it. And then I took real characteristics from the guys I grew up with. I used some, a lot of stuff from Mark's life as well, obviously, but really it was about the people I grew up with and, and how our relationships were and still are to this day. Cause my best friends to this day are still guys I went to kindergarten with, you know? Well, I mean, to Mark, me, like that was as an East coast guy, the number one thing that attracted me to the show is it felt like me and my boys, honestly, it just that, felt like that, it just felt like I was bullshitting with my boys. And as yeah. people who are fighting their way to get into the music industry, the entertainment industry, the idea of these four dudes from New York who just came to LA and took over was what caught me. And that's why I still love it to this day. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, when we when we sold it, the first thing I said to Mark was, I don't, like, who want, nobody wants Hollywood shows. And then he's, you know, he kind of let me figure it out. And how I sold it was, there's nothing on TV or in the movies where guys talk like I know guys talk. Mm -hmm. And after us, and I'm not saying we inspired it or anything like that, but after us came The Hangover and Judd Apatow's comedies. Yeah. But I grew up on Animal House and movies like that. They weren't around. There wasn't, wasn't the R-rated comedy. So I wanted right now, who knew the world was going to change and, and, and a decade later, then all of a sudden guys couldn't talk like guys. But, um, but when we did it, I think that's what people really related to. Like, this is my friends. And, you know, yep. when LeBron James was on the show, he said, this is my E, this is my turtle, and this is my drama. Now, those guys are now Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, and I forget who the other one was. So those guys who were his high school boys are now running, you know, the sports and entertainment world, essentially, you know? It's unbelievable, and it's not even as much like, oh, this is how guys it's, – it's just like if you're a guy, or you can be a girl too. I have so many friends who are girls who love yeah. the show. It's just the idea of, like, yo, it's you and your friends versus the world. And that's yeah. what, to me, made Entourage such a special thing. And I think when you brought up, like, the E's and the dramas and the turtles, did you have a specific actor in mind for each person when you went to go make the show? Or was this, oh, like, you went through casting and you were like, okay, fucking had, Kevin Conley is... I had Piven in mind for Ari. Makes and sense. And when I was writing the script... I was writing E and Vince as Vince Vaughn and um, John Favreau. What? Like, and, what's, really? and what's so crazy about it is those guys weren't giant movie stars. So it wasn't as ridiculous as it sounded when I started writing it. But right. even three years later, from the time I sold it to the time it was on, all of a sudden Favreau was becoming the biggest director in the world. Yeah. Vince Vaughn was becoming this giant movie star. But the name Vince came from Vince. And the idea of casting Adrian, it was so hard to find somebody that could believably a be a New Yorker and then b be believably be a movie star. And it's not just 
finding a good looking guy. And yep. a lot of people underrate how good Adrian was, but from the minute he walked on the screen, you were like, I get why he's the movie star and Connolly isn't, even though yeah. Connolly's a good looking, cool guy, but he just had that, that thing that it was hard to explain. So we have a great story personally about being on tour and running into Adrian Grenier. We were playing New York. We were playing pianos in the Lower East Side. And uh, our rhythm guitar player, Eric, was taking a piss on the outside of the building. Right. And all of a sudden, somebody walks up behind him and says, yo, you're pissing on my city. And he turned Grenier? around. He goes, oh, my God, it's fucking Vinny James. <laughs> so <laughs> that literally happened. So that I just wild, though. What's so wild is that Adrian, like, has the balls to walk up to some dudes in an alley and <laughs> act, like, act like he's ready to fight and act like he's Batman or something. Like, you're pissing on my city. Like, well, if he wasn't Vincent Chase, you might have beat the living shit out of him. I mean, well, Eric walked back in. He's like, yo, Vinny Chase is fucking yelling at me. <laughs> so, like, we have, look, besides the fact that me and because me and Ken were college roommates we've been buck fucking boys forever we've always loved entourage but like just the fact that like it's always been yeah. there for us throughout this entire yeah. time and the craziest thing to think is i mean it came out in 2004 so what are we 17 years since the debut of entourage so the nostalgia just the 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 love of entourage is at an all-time high and i i'd be remiss not to go right into victory the podcast which is absolutely doing phenomenal numbers is doing great it's it's transgenerational now it's everybody loves entourage man like it, did you see this coming well see it coming i mean you know what kind of abuse i've been taking for the last three years no i'm serious i mean when the movie came out we walked into the me too movement the movie right. was no different than right. the show and you know i have like sitting in my office i have the test results of the movie from warner brothers the movie tested through the roof and then it came out and every review was about these misogynistic assholes who hate women and i'm like what we were the show that the New York Times female reporter said was the best show on TV. So the culture changed and not only the culture we know. And again, I'm a liberal, but the left media, when they get on a narrative, that's what they fucking pump and pump and pump. So the last three years has been kind of like, what the fuck happened? We had this show that was nominated for Golden Globe and an Emmy every year. And all of a sudden, every article that comes out is about how bad it was with the podcast. It was important to Connolly and I, to really set the record straight, bring all the great women characters that we've had on the show, oh, but, yeah. also, but also let people know who we are behind the scenes. Like right, I'm a right. guy I've had, you know, I, I've been I, I've been divorced twice, but I've basically, <laughs> I've been in long-term relationships for the last 30 years and both my ex-wives and ex-girlfriends still like me. I'm not some fucking <laughs> asshole with a bunch of problems, so. Well, people so love it, to like, like characterize like the characters as if they're real people, because it's just so believable. It's but good way, even if they were real people, they're pretty good guys. They're like, yeah. you know, I mean, I used to get guys who would call me up and go, those fucking entourage guys, they don't get enough girls. <laughs> they don't have enough sex. I'm like, all right, whatever, but. The truth of the matter is what the show was and what the podcast is, it's about friendship. It's about 100%. loyalty yes. and what and and what Entourage was and how I sold it was, will these guys who don't care about money and don't care about fame, they care about each other, will they fuck up paradise? Because they have mm. everything. But are they going to, Vince is going to listen to the guy who worked at Sbarro's over like this, <laughs> this power player. But that's what it was about, loyalty. Well, dude, the whole thing is with uh, with this podcast, right? So me and Ken are in a band. We're fucking in the music industry. Dave, we're teaching Dave, along with Kenny from AWOL Nation, to be a rock star. And I've tried to explain the the way that the entertainment industry is. And like you, 
it's hard to be friends with the people that you work with or yeah. that you're trying to come up with. And yeah. so Entourage, on the other hand, is the story of these four kids from Queens who wind up taking over the goddamn world. Yeah. And they remain best friends. That's what makes the show special. Yeah. And that, that's that's what we wanted to do from the get go. And and and, you know, I think that's what people hear on the podcast, because it, it kind of feels like the show with less cursing. But it feels <laughs> like it feels like you're with your boys busting on each other and gals, because we bring a lot of females on as right. well. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been great. And I don't want to jinx anything because I'm not in the mood for the fucking culture police to come after me again. I'm really not. It's like <laughs> I'm 50 fucking three. I sit in my I barely leave my house and I would wake up <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic with some article. Was Entourage not the worst show ever made? I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are they talking about? Like, maybe it wasn't the best show ever made, but it definitely wasn't the worst. No, you, know, you don't got to like it. But, you know, exactly. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up about it. It was Entourage. It was first off. It's just, it's literally, it doesn't matter who you are. If you watch it, you get it. And first off, there was, there were shows at the same time. We talk about HBO a lot, but like you had sex in the city and then you had entourage. You had, you had it was just about friendship. That's all it was yeah. really about. There wasn't this deeper meaning to it. It was about friendship. That's all it was no. about. Exactly. And that's, well, that's what it was. So, so I've been following pretty closely the victory podcast. Right. And so when I say it was like across generations, I mean, last week it was you guys had Josh Richards and the TikTok kids in there. Yeah. And then and then you had Charlie Sheen in there. Yeah. I mean, this has to be an unbelievable ride for you guys to see the love across. But I tell you what, what's happening is it feels like the show. When we started the show, we couldn't get a single person to do it. We barely got picked up. I didn't even know if Mark was going to show up for the pilot and he was the executive <laughs> producer. Like I was like, is Mark coming? That's how amateurish it felt. And then by season two, all of a sudden we're getting calls from people like LeBron or whatever that they mm. like the show and want to do it. And that's how the podcast feels now. I mean, I didn't know Charlie Sheen until four weeks ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride and then getting, you know, which is what I like to do, just like the show. Andrew Whitworth from the Rams right. came on and Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street Wolf is my Wall friend Street. that I grew up with. So wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. You grew up with the Wolf of Wall Street? I grew up with the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I grew what up with a lot of those guys. Fuck? I grew up with a lot of those guys from Stratton Oakmore. And one of the things I talked about with Jordan was like, why would Entourage get criticism while the Wolf of Wall Street, which I love, <laughs> is the most vulgar, depraved, depraved ever. And, and by the way, glorification of of gross animals of which I know guys like that. And you, you know guys well. that are that. Bro. I know guys who are that to a T, but I'm saying like the Entourage guys never did one fucking millionth of what that was done. But what I talked about with Jordan is because they're from the same place. The Entourage guys are Queens and so is Jordan. How easy it would have been for those guys to be best friends with a guy like Jordan instead of a guy like Vince right. and followed him into the stockbrokering world oh where, God. you yeah. know, where, where, listen, when you're a 20 year old kid, which I had that, my best friends got into some shady shit. They were making all this money when we were young and we all used to sit around like we were morons. We didn't know what we were doing. And some of it was illegal. Well, you're a Brooklyn guy, right? I was born in Brooklyn, but I was raised on Long Island. All right, so I'm a Northeast Philly guy. So I understand, like, you have your friends that are shitheads. Like, that's how we fucking grew up. I understand that completely. Yep. Maybe that's why I have such a connection to the show, because I understand it. But well, at that's the same what it was. It's working class kids who usually they have those relationships. And some of your friends, I mean, I, I have friends from kindergarten who are in, in, mur in for murder, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I grew up with a lot of those I people. I but, you know, a lot of times when they're your boys, like Dom, when we brought Dom on the show, 
you forgive and you you sometimes let those people back in. Sometimes they've made amends. Sometimes they haven't. So I mean, I, if there's if there's one thing in this world today that's not really uh, glorified, it's making amends and it, and it's understanding and like it's to me like the thing I loved about Entourage was the fact that it was just. It's your fucking boys. Yep. You understand. You fucking grow together. You learn. And it, yep. it, it, it's a thing. No, well, I was going to say, like, all right. So put yourself in, like, say, say that you're writing an, uh, an, uh, an episode of Entourage right now. But it's the year 2021. And you're pitching, I don't know, Vinny Chase or whoever to go up to some, some, some whatever agency or whoever. And you're like, hey, we got this idea for the script. And it's entourage. It's actually what you pitch. What would the reception of like actually be like today? Like what would HBO or, 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 you know, Fox or whoever, whatever network, what would they say about entourage right now? Would they tell you to fuck yourselves? Like, Hey, like we can't I mean, do this in 2021. I mean, listen, some things are necessary and some things are over corrections. Right now we're going through a big overcorrection. I think so and, too, yes. And, and, and some things are necessary. I mean, I, you know, like African-Americans, they need to be more prominent in movies. 100%. They need to be Absolutely. more prominent on the sidelines of the NFL. That being said, when I did Entourage, it was very important to me that the show was realistic to what I knew and my life. It's a personal and, thing. Yeah, but and again, not to what what would happen today is, and I'm working on a show. It would definitely be, and I think the world is more that way now to some degree. But it would be more diversified. Mm -hmm. It would be more focused on females. But at the time, I said, listen, I grew up in a neighborhood with Jews, Italians, and Irish. That's what I know. That's what I grew up with. So I'm going to write this from a place of that. Mm -hmm. And as far as Hollywood, 20 years ago. There weren't a lot of black agents in the agencies. So mm. when I used to say it, I'm like, I want to put as many black people in the show as possible, Hispanic or whatever, but I'm not going to make it fake. I'm not going to all of a sudden right. say that the mm. agencies are that. So I was reflecting what life is. Now, life today is, is different in Hollywood. So it would definitely be written differently and I would be thinking about it differently, but there's not a single thing I look back and go, that was realistic. And there was a reason that the town embraced it and the critics embraced it because it was a realistic depiction of it. But um, that being said, if I walked in and said the five leads of this show are five white men, I mean, no, I don't think people would be too interested in hearing much more after that. I think, honestly, the beautiful thing about that is you could see the growth over time in, in a certain perspective. So like, yeah. if you were to do it today, you'd see something completely differently. Yeah. That's a good thing. And honestly, like I, I look I look back on it now and I, and I watch the show because I watch it constantly. I just got HBO Max a couple weeks ago. So I'm fucking pumped. I just ran through the whole series a couple just times. Keep, I, yeah, let it roll all day when you're not around too. Just no, let trust it, me, yeah. I do. Do because honestly, HBO Max does not shut off. So my wife keeps saying, this is what keeps happening. I keep having it playing, and then she keeps coming back to season five. So it keeps coming back to Turtle getting jerked off on a plane by Jamie Lynn Seagull. So every time we watch it, my wife goes, I feel like every time we turn this on, it's literally Turtle getting jerked off by Jamie Lynn Seagull. So on that note, I do have a I do have yeah. I do have an entourage question because we're gonna get right. into this later. But right. was there ever a star who you tried to get on the show? it didn't work out. Like, was there ever a, ca a dream yeah, cast that you tried I mean, to make tons. happen? I mean, tons. I mean, from Michael Jordan to Jimmy Page. I mean, tons. Jimmy Russell Page? Let, let's talk about what, so what were your, what was your idea for Jimmy Page in Entourage? 
honestly, when I'm doing the podcast, I watch the episode. So I remember exactly what happened. So I don't even remember, but Dennis <laughs> Hopper ultimately played the role. It oh, wasn't like, Oh, it was the gambling was, episode. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, like, soccer, but, right? but also things change. Like I might've written something and I'm like, okay, let's get Jimmy page. And then when we don't get him, it changes. So I don't remember exactly what it was, but we didn't even get any traction, but we did get, you know, Led Zeppelin for the last song of the show ever. I was going to bring that up, which was, which was more important. So, well, we're going to get it. Let's go into that now, because I mean, this is a music podcast. And the one thing I wanted to bring up, it was three weeks ago. We were talking about the best scored TV shows of all time. And we're talking like legitimately. And the first thing that came up to me, I brought it up was Entourage's score. Like the songs that define that show were the best of all time. Yeah. And I know Scott Verner was the music director. I know he's doing great things now with Pharrell running that podcast and doing all that. But how much say did you as the writer and the creator have in the music that went into the show? I mean, I have total say. And, you know, oh. the, way, the, the, way, the way it started, and you can see the music changing as I let Scott have more control. <laughs> and he really is. I actually, I'm great with music, but I'm not current like he is. I'm right. like still living 20 years ago, maybe more. <laughs> So if you notice in the first season, which is interesting, even though Scott was my ex-wife's friend from college and really? he was my friend out here. So we just used to hang out and he came and he watched the pilot and I love Scott, but Scott, I don't Scott had a job as an assistant that I got him at the time. And he was like, you know, when you make a pilot, you're fucking nervous, you're insecure and you bring <laughs> one of your best friends over to watch it. Who I, I, I honestly, I knew Scott at that point for probably 15 years. I didn't even know he was into music. So he came in, he watched the pilot, and he was like, I'm like, what'd you think? And he was like, I don't know. I, I don't like the music. <laughs> and I was like, all right, jerk off. Well, you you like think you can do better, pussy? <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was then we started talking music. And then, like he said, we were in his car. I remember being in front of his parents' house, and he played me um, he played me Jay-Z's uh, Lucifer. So, I was going to say it was Lucifer, because that was big on the show. Season so, one. Yeah, that was season, season one. one. Yeah. So he played it to me in the car and then I go, Oh, I know, I know exactly where this is going. Yes. Like, so, so this is like Billy Walsh when Turtle say, brings him Saigon's song exactly, and says, I know exactly, exactly where this is supposed to go. Is, well, you way, thought we were novices. We know exactly what the Douglas, fuck is going on. By the way, the by the way that probably came from, I probably wrote that after that, but, but Venner gave it to me and I have a good ear to picture. And I was like, Oh my God, I know exactly where this piano's cutting in and I know exactly where it is. I would have never heard that song probably ever if it wasn't for him. You know, I mean, I'm a, I was like still like listening to classic rock in my car every day. That's why the opening song of the show when I wrote it in the script was James Gang Funk 49. That was wow. going to be the, the title sequence. So when I got the title sequence that this guy Maurice did, which was awesome, you know, the car and the, the, the names. All Jane's over the Addiction place. and all that. And but he brought Jane's Addiction to it, not Vanner, the, the guy who did the titles. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going with Funk 49. And I put it to picture and it didn't work. So I ended up using that as the last song of season uh, one. They okay. get on a plane and that comes on. But as the seasons would go, Vanner would wear me down, which it's interesting because Vanner, which is crazy, picked... He said really early on in season eight, let's go get Led Zeppelin to be the last song. I'm like, Led Zeppelin, what the fuck do you know Going about Led Zeppelin? Going to California, baby, let's I, I go. Said, I said, what do you know about Led Zeppelin? All you do is abuse me for using classic rock. <laughs> and he said, yeah, because you, you use it wrong. But anyway, the way it went down, I mean, from early on was me picking, especially the end credit songs. That was my key. And it took me till about season three 
where Venner would come up with stuff. He'd, he'd give me this Rihanna song before anyone knew who the fuck Rihanna was. And he's like, this is going to be the number one song in the country. I'm like, he was okay, right. Okay, buddy. And then all of a sudden I realized he really did have a, he had a genius ear and he was finding things before they were really out there. And he was making these relationships with Kanye and other people. So by season four, it wasn't that I didn't, debate it and ultimately make the decision but by season four i was like okay you pick the end credit song i'll give it a week if it if if i can't get behind it by then then we'll have a fight about it mm. but i started i started really trusting him and i think he also started understanding i wasn't as a big of a hack with music as he liked to make it out to be <laughs> because i did know when it worked for picture and i did know kind of the tone of what i wanted but he he really does. He's got an unbelievable ear and an eye for finding new talent and um, making those relationships. So it was it was a perfect match. I mean, you look at it, though, and like I always bring this up, like season two from the drop, you guys basically put on the Kings of Leon Aha Shake Heartbreak album. Yeah. And that to me was an introduction as a kid to Kings of Leon. I found Kings of Leon like that. The airport. Yeah. I found uh, Phoenix. Listomania. It was the end of season six when when E and and Sloan get engaged. Listomania is when they're getting on the fucking planes. Yeah. Like there is so much in this show. There's so many moments that are attached to songs. And of course, the end is going to California, which yeah. was perfect. It, it was, that's perfection. That's the thing. Listen, Martin Scorsese is a big influence on me. Makes and sense. Obviously, I did a lot of homages to him in the show using Monkey Man when Ari's racing around, yep. which was right out of Goodfellas. So some people go, it's stolen. I don't, I go, this is a show about movies and I love them so much that I, that I find my own spin and people can take it for what, it, what they want. But um, Scorsese never really used score. I mean, maybe in Kundin, but no, yeah. in none of his movies. So I wanted, and the fact that we were able to pull it off when we started, there was no budget. So I started going, let's go get the doors. Let's go get the <laughs> Eagles. And then Venner started, let's go get Jay-Z and then getting hip hop stuff which is even harder because the samples that are in stuff yep. make it almost impossible to license certain things. You're paying so, three uh, people for the same song. Yeah. So it's tough, but um, you know, HBO was great in understanding early on how much music meant to us. And then we were lucky enough that it caught on that music was such a big thing. And we were making things pop on the charts, even though HBO didn't realize how big the show was, they could see it on the music charts and the record labels understood it. You know, that's how we got Kanye to call Venner and go, I want to launch the good life. On good the life. Show. Yeah. Yeah. The you good know? life. And then he flies him to con. I remember the first all time this. I heard that song. Dude, so here's my question, too, because as music people in the music industry, and we understand how this works with sing like sync licensing and all this shit. After a certain point, did record labels start to approach you guys and say, hey, we would love to put our people through yeah, the entourage for sure, test for sure. for sure. And that really became a Venner thing. I mean, mm. uh, like I, again, I, I can see something in my head and I go, I know that song. I know the, the beats of it. It's perfect. But I wasn't finding new music. He was finding stuff and really going, okay, this is going to be great here. And this is going to be great there. So. Oh my God. Was there like this a is... competition thing between like labels and artists at, at any point in the show? Like say like season five, six, where you have the like so you said early on you're like oh i got this grand vision of all like i want to work with uh like led zeppelin whoever it is but um like later on in the in the entire series where you have all these fucking artists and and labels say reaching out to you 
was it like, all right, I can pick this guy, this guy, this guy, and all of a sudden you land on Kanye? It was never about that. It was always about what's the best song for the show. So it wasn't like, that. even though Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin is my favorite band of all time, but it wasn't, oh, I want going to California because it's Led Zeppelin. I want it because everything about it speaks to everything about the it show. And the fact that I, I didn't come yes. up with it is embarrassing. It was I mean, the perfect song. Now, by the way, song, yes. just learning this, what's your favorite Zeppelin album? I have to ask this. I, I can't. I honestly can't even say which would be my favorite. Fair. But I could list 50 fucking songs that I could listen to all day, every day. But I mean, and you know, I, I have obscure stuff, like not obscure, right. but like from physical graffiti that I love. Mm. But but I, I really do. I love almost all of Led Zeppelin. And but that being said, I wouldn't have, if you said, oh, we could put communication breakdown at the end of the show, I wouldn't have done that, you know? Right. So it was really, going to California was just the perfect song, you know? I had I did not have this in my notes. This is literally off the fly. But I found one of my current favorite bands from the trailer of the Entourage movie. It's Royal Blood. Yeah. yeah. Figure it out. I found that and we were supposed to play a show with Royal Blood right before quarantine started. So, so this is like a person. Just a little like story on that. Kings of Leon, which came to me from Kevin Dillon. He was friends with them. No shit. And really? they opened, they were opening for you two in the concert that we shot. That's where I heard them. <laughs> that was lined up for a question. <laughs> that, that's where I heard them. And then I go, we got to use Kings of Leon. So anyway, when the movie happened, I had the whole opening scene in my head. I had the Kings of Leon song I wanted. And we actually computerized the image of the boat and the whole thing. So I could see it before we ever filmed it. And it was Kings of Leon. And then Venner came in and said, I want to go with this Royal Blood. So I'm like, we the fuck fucking, is Royal Blood? <laughs> but I've been like, I've been planning this for a fucking year already. What are you talking about? But he won. I switched it out. What Kings of Leon song was it, if you don't mind me asking? I, I oh. have it, too. I have the computer image of it, but I, I would have to look because I don't remember. But it had a similar vibe. Wow. Dude, this yeah. is, I gotta be honest. I'm just saying this strictly as a huge Entourage fan. This is like literally the fucking coolest thing. I've never, we had Chris Schiffer from the Foo Fighters. We've had big guests on this show so far. Right. I don't give a fuck. This is to me like my, like, oh, hell yeah. This is big for me. Like, this is so, fucking Can sick. we real quick go back to that U2 concert? Is that something that gets funneled through? Like, you knew you were gonna shoot at a U2 concert. Bono was gonna say Johnny Drama, Felice Cumpianos. Or is that something that just. <laughs> so, so. Yo, Brian Burns. Brian Burns was a writer on the show. He's Eddie Burns' brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's friends with Bono. Okay. They travel together. Okay. He, he, he's friends with Bruce Springsteen. He's friends with Tom Hanks. Whatever. <laughs> so, I come in one day and and we're told a scene I wrote at Dodger Stadium where there's some pot in it. We Dodgers turned us down. We're not shooting there. It's like beginning of season two and I walk in and it's like, there's a lot of stress. Like, okay, it's not just so fucking easy. I'm writing these, these giant fantasy ideas and it's not easy to go get them. It's not just like, Hey Dodgers, we'd like to come there tomorrow. <laughs> so I said to Burns, Brian Burns, I walked in, I was like, Burns, why don't you fucking deliver something and go get you two. It's on my birthday, April 6th, which it was. I'm going anyway. I want fucking to shoot the concert. Never. Did I ask for Bono to say something? <laughs> Burns calls me back. They're in. And Bono will say one line. Oh Whatever you God. want, he'll say it. So we were like a couple of weeks away from filming. I changed the whole story that it's drama's birthday 
that he's obsessed with you too. And I said, get Bono to say happy birthday, Johnny Drama. Not in Spanish, which was amazing. But <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. He's like, who the, who the hell is Johnny Drama? <laughs> I did not ask him for that. And by the way, the whole time I'm talking to there's seven layers of people. I'm not like, hi, Bono. Let's discuss this. I don't know when he's going to say it. I don't know if he's going to say it. And we're at this concert with eight cameras around the stadium. We're not allowed on the floor. Like, it's total fucking chaos. And as the lights are going down, he goes, Feliz Cumpleanos, Johnny Drama. And I'm like, holy shit, was holy that shit. it? Holy shit, We did it. And I didn't see oh it till I didn't see it till Monday. This is the old days. You're shooting on film. It was a Friday night. And I'm like, I don't even know if it came out. And when I saw it, I was like, this is so fucking magical. And it's all the shit that would happen with the show, which again is why I say with the podcast, you know, I, I, I call Piven. I randomly call Piven in the middle of a podcast. Uh, Cause I'm like, I want to get him on. And he picks up the phone and, and he's with Mike Tyson. And all of a sudden we got Tyson <laughs> and him. And it's like, that was- Oh, the- he's doing Mike Tyson's podcast now too, isn't he? He's doing yeah. the hot boxing. Yeah, but the idea that he was just sitting with him and Mike's like, hey, Doug, long time, man. It was just, <laughs> it's kind of a lot of that special shit just keeps happening. So hopefully- I feel like that was the whole vibe of Entourage. It, it felt like an, a magical thing to where like people were just around and wanted, like you're talking about Bono, because Bono shows back up later when in season six, when he's like, yo, cut the fucking check vince what are you doing <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's unreal it's hard to believe but those things michael phelps when he was the biggest thing in the world mm. he runs into con i'm in a i'm gonna sleep in a hotel room Connolly is on the set i'm i have to be there he's like michael phelps is standing here it's his favorite show you got any ideas for him i'm like yeah we can write something in for michael phelps he's only won like 19 fucking gold medals i i literally but we're talking when he was as big as he's ever been and gonna be and i run 20 blocks and i get to phelps and i'm like what if you bang into connelly and you're like yo look at me like that again i'll knock you the fuck out motherfucker it's such a short scene it was so good <laughs> but, too. But phelps, phelps wouldn't do it though he's like he didn't want to be portrayed like that so they kind of just brushed into each brushed. other yeah. like, oh, what up, and, man? and then literally i'm not exaggerating we were shooting entourage was pretty big we're shooting on the streets things are fine michael phelps within five minutes we had a shutdown production like thousands of people started swarming into it so he was bigger than entourage was, Can <laughs> really I ask was. You, uh, this is a random question this is going back to the podcast but who broached the idea first was it was it fucking kevin dillon was it kevin conley because i know kevin conley is running action park media so it's a the podcast idea? Yeah. Connolly. Connolly did idea. it? Yeah, he wanted to do an entourage podcast. I didn't want to do an entourage podcast. So he kind of came up with something that obviously has entourage around it, but is going to be about a lot of other things. So, you know, we talk about every we talk about everything on it. And oh, I know. You know I've listened. You know, we've done 60 episodes. We've done, you know, a breakdown of I think 18 entourage episodes. So I'm really trying to make it something that can last and, and be something that we talk about other things on. What's the episode that you hear that everybody loves the most? You know, there's a few Vegas and it's Sundance. Vegas. It's got to be Vegas, and, right? And to the one, actually, we're going to talk about an episode, which is one of my favorite ones tomorrow, um, which is uh, 
It's called One, one Day in the Valley or something, but it was yeah, like, it's great. Oh, oh, oh my God, it's fucking yeah. almost famous. Let's go. Oh, yeah, I'm, that's that's probably my fav- favorite honor. Well, honor. so let me also bring this back. Our first episode was Chris Schiffler from the Foo Fighters. And the first fucking question that Dave asked on the podcast as not a music guy, just a Barstool guy, is to Chris Schiffler about Almost Famous. And I'm sitting here like, motherfucker, we can't ask Almost Famous to everybody. But, <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, it's true, though. It's like a good caricature of, well, of well, what that lifestyle is i feel like it you is. know what but, but like i said with scorsese cameron crow is one of my idols vince says i'm having my almost famous moment that isn't by accident that is like my personal homage to the fact that yeah i almost famous is one of my favorite movies we actually had james miller who's a great writer on the podcast a few weeks ago he wrote like the definitive books about ESPN, Saturday Night Live, and he's writing HBO now. But he's also got a podcast, which you guys need to listen to, called Origins, that breaks down Almost Famous for six or eight episodes with Cameron wow. Crowe and the whole cast, and it's awesome. But, you know, that episode was inspired by a bunch of things, and it just came together. I just watched it so I can talk about it on the podcast. And and obviously, that's one of my favorite episodes because it it incorporates everything that I wanted in the show. These guys from nothing and nowhere who appreciate the ride as much as you and I would. And the idea of getting the number one movie in the country, which Entourage actually had it in Australia that weekend, <laughs> but uh, not in the US, but it was you know, inspired this- by Tobey Maguire, yeah. Well, this was my biggest thing when I think about Entourage, and I think it's like slept on as a dude from Northeast Philadelphia who's in the music industry, right? Watching a story about four kids from Queens who come from fucking dirt, nothing and go to do what they do. That's why an episode like that hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. And me and my little brother watched entourage 80 times over because of that. We got it. It was like, Holy shit. One of us did it. This was fucking amazing. Yeah. That was the whole thought of, of the show. And, and, you know, it's funny because I remember when people didn't really, after the first episode, they were like, oh, these rich fucking guys. I'm like, what? And then I put poor in, guys. I put in the second episode, which was the line I think that really solidified for the some of the haters. But he Vince said, listen, if it doesn't work out, we'll fucking go back to go Queens. Back to Queens. You know? like, yeah. And and he believed it. He, you know, he wasn't driven by the money and stuff. And that's why when the movie came out, you know, it's funny, some article came out last week about how Victory the Podcast is defeating woke culture. Because when the movie came out, the amount of reviews that said, who, who wants to watch these rich white people? They and I was like, nothing. I was like, um, they're kind of just like good guys. I mean, trying to make it. That's all, you know? So, I mean, if you remember back when dramas or I'm sorry, uh, turtles talking about, he's like, my mom sold her house for like 80 fucking grand. Yeah. Like that was legitimately to me. Like, I get that. That is my fucking neighborhood. Like this, this shit meant so much to me because of that. Right. And it's and- even like, like looking back, like, and I mean, our, let's get nerdy real quick. Cause we've gone through the music. We've gone through the fucking podcast. Let's go back. Like, was there any season or storyline specifically that was the hardest for you to write as the writer? I mean, you know what? It, it's, it was always hard. Storylines are always tough. I can write dialogue in my sleep, especially right. once I know who the characters are. But stories are always tricky. And honestly, that episode specifically, you know, we had a first draft of it and I came in and I'm like, this is going in the trash. And I had some writers on the show who were pretty pissed at me. I said, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And their attitude was like, we have to move forward. That's TV. I'm like, I'm not moving forward until this works. So 
Oh, I am proud that that episode became one of the best ones because I, you know, I had this idea that somehow, how do you stop a movie? How do you show with the electronics in the world that a movie that opened up in the morning as this genius thing could work? How do you realistically do that? Maybe something happened and like blackouts, even when we used to talk about it, we were like, is this fucking stupid or can we really make this work? <laughs> and there is a really stupid version of it. And that's kind of what we had at one point. I'm like, this is not it. Like we have to do this. Like it's so real that the stakes are real. And I think people, fucking as, much as, the, as much as there was great comedy in that episode, <laughs> it's really the payoff at the end that you, you're like, I want to be my, I want my friend to be on that roof and yep. I want to be there with them, you know? And that's what I always, when I used to look through the camera, four o'clock in the morning, exhausted, cold and dying. I would look through the camera and go, I, I want to be over there. Even though I'm doing this, I want to be over where, like what they're doing because it just seemed like fun, you know? All right, take I, yourself out of your, uh, your writing shoes. Imagine that you're just like a normal asshole in a college dorm or, or me sitting in my apartment in Chicago, wherever, watching that exact episode. What's the funniest part of that episode? Cause I think I'll know what you're, you're going to say. But, you're gonna say you're gonna say it's Dylan in the theater. I mean, in the theater. Know, I was gonna say him I mean, with listen, the air conditioning. Yeah. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan is, he's such a a genius, and he's another one who's like he's underrated. Oh, he's just playing himself. No, a thousand actors could say sit down yep. and not make you laugh. He and, makes you laugh every fucking time. Well, I mean. To yeah. me, I think about like the the self awareness of the actors that are on this show, right? So like Kevin Dillon, like there has to be a thing with actors to where it's like, oh, you play the dopey brother who is like, like you have to have a certain amount of self awareness here. It is like this is who I am. I just have to roll with this. This is gonna be yeah. fucking funny. Don't I mean, take it, it personally. Acting is removing your insecurities, and Dylan knew exactly how to play it and get sympathy in every line. But <laughs> I still, I mean, I'm trying to think that episode. I just watched it. The funniest, the funniest thing to me was uh, something. Just all of Dylan with the heat. Oh yes, funniest shit. And His kidneys are shutting down, dude. Packing up the cooler. <laughs> I mean, like bringing bottles of water with him, and and you know, and 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 the thing is, what makes me so happy is that I was able to do it because that's so me. Because I I drive over the hill, and it literally is twelve degrees different within eight minutes. So the idea that we got to do that in the car where they're watching it and they're all laughing, which I would be the guy like Dylan who's fucking miserable with 105. 102, 103, yeah. It's like, this is, this is inhuman. Let's get out of here. And I just make way for cooler pastures. Yeah. Oh but I also, he just steals every, because the great thing about Entourage is the B plots besides the A plots with mm -hmm. Kevin Dillon and drama, especially are almost like you go back. It's okay. The main plot here is Vince. Gambling money with um, yeah, Dennis Hopper, Hopper, but then plot B is drama gets her in job like in Malibu. And that's <laughs> shouts out ways. Lisa Renna. My wife is a huge uh, Real Housewives fan. So every time we watch that episode, I'm just like, yeah, it's your fucking girl, dude. Well, you should know who the other woman is too. Who is the other woman? Colleen Camp, who's a, a big producer, but she's also, she played a, a Playboy Playmate in Apocalypse Now. You should what? Go, check her, go check her out coming out of a cake in 1970. That's the best rim job in LA, dude. And she also <laughs> she also uh, was in Clue as the sexy French maid. So you should really? you should Google her and see Colleen from the, the back in the day, but she's a big producer in Hollywood now. Um, but but still it's what it's what Dylan and Jerry can do. Like 
just that particular episode you were mentioning. I mean, just the idea of your best friend getting it in your head that you're going to beat Spider-Man. And he's so youthful and so excited about it. But all of a sudden he's like, you think we could beat Spider-Man? And Ari's telling them, because that's really what it is. You don't fuck with people's expectations. Because the truth is, like, if Entourage movie came out and they said, uh, we hope it makes $5 million, it would have been a monster hit. But they were like, it's going to be Sex in the City. And I, I was like, no, it's not going to be Sex in the City. Sex in the City is a fucking romantic comedy. It's got a much bigger audience it just does so um expectations are an important thing in hollywood and i i loved how we we kind of did that realistically really What's random it? question right here where did you find all the high school assholes for, the, for that exact episode <laughs> cast you know you mean like the guys in the party or like yeah, the at actors? the party yes yes i mean we get extras but the actors who are talking they're all cast and auditioned and all those guys i've seen them working too and oh, actually yeah. it's funny i'm doing this little animated thing and one of the guys from the viking quest episode at comic-con i sent him a message today because i talked to him on instagram this guy jesse hyman like does he want to read for this part he's like the guy who was obsessed with tarvold yeah where was tarvold thing. born <laughs> yeah, yeah that's him so. this is this is fucking i feel so bad because i literally know every goddamn line to the show i feel like hey, I'm actually, like, i want to ask you a question where where's tarvold from oh my uh, god actually, come on almost, oh wow he doesn't know yeah, I, I know, I know it because we talked about it on the podcast. Ortney, okay. Ortney was the answer. Northumbria, Northumbria North was the right answer. Umbria, Umbria. No, Northumbria and Ortney was the answer. The turtle toward right, right. <laughs> I'm, we're earning our stripes right now. This is I like awesome. it. I like now hold it. on. So we asked the hardest episode, the hardest season to write. Do you have a season you feel most personally attached to? No, I mean no. they all. They all blended to one and like we got a lot of criticism for season seven. Like it went a little dark, which I, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to do something different and I, I haven't even watched it in years. So I can't even tell you until we get to that, but I loved it. And, you know, and now that I'm doing some shit with Charlie Sheen, it was loosely inspired by <laughs> what was going on with Charlie at the time. Yeah, so, a lot of sense. And, and Sasha Gray, who everyone was like at the time, why didn't you cast a real porn star? And I was like, why don't you Google Sasha? And you'll yeah, she see. She is. What are you talking about? <laughs> because she she didn't feel like a porn star, and that's well, why she I did to the girlfriend her. experience with. Yeah. Uh, so she did movies and shit, but she's a world famous porn star. My whole thing was porn star, but it was important to me not to just get a porn star. She was the only one because I felt like you could believe she went to Princeton just as easily. Actually, more. Easily. She's a good actress. He was very good actress. She's a good actress, and she just carries herself in a way that I felt was interesting. So anyway, I got to look at that season, but I'm I'm proud of it because I I took so much heat for it, and I wanted to do something different. You know. Do you know what I think the thing was with season seven? Honestly, was that it was the first time because Vince obviously drives this story, but it was the first time that Vince was the focal character because around it most of the time you're watching it and you're like okay E or drama they have right. the storylines that are really driving the story forward yeah. Vince is a constant force but yeah. it's E storyline or turtles or dramas or right. something like that that was the first time it was just strictly Vince I love season six six to me is the most slept on season sure. I that is my comfort food I love yeah, season I, I, six see I honestly I couldn't even tell you what's in season six Really? I, I really couldn't like you if you told me the episodes then I'd go yeah 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 but I, I just didn't feel there was much difference in tone from any of them except for seven. And like you say, the lead of the show was always designed to be Connolly. That was right. who the show was through his eyes. That was who it was. And yes, seven was really Adrian's chance to shine, you know? 
And, I mean, and- honestly, getting the answer that it was E, which is always what I wanted to know, I'm good now. I can hang yeah. up. That's what that's what I've always thought. I'm glad so, I got the answer. I think you need that's to do a was. special where Johnny Drama finally gets his calf implants. <laughs> Bring it back so Drama can get the calf implants. We're gonna do we're gonna do some animation stuff where Kevin Dillon gets it. But the problem is Kevin Dillon has huge calves. He always hated the story. <laughs> I have small calves. That's where it came from. And and Dylan was like, this is fucking bro. What is this shit? I got giant calves. So we actually were doing some animated stuff. He hasn't even seen it yet. But I'm like, I can, I can do anything with Dylan animated. I'll shrink his calves like he's never seen them. You know? The moment when he's doing the casting call and they make him take off his snap yeah. pants and he, and he covers himself up. He's like, huh. I die every fucking time. Season but two. The, but by the way, go watch the movie Fame. That's where that came from. And... It was an uncomfortable, dramatic scene where a girl had to undress for a casting director in that movie, a young girl. But I told Dylan, I said, I want you to think about that scene, but think about it comedically because we're (laughs) we're shaming shaming a dude because he's embarrassed of his legs. (laughs) Oh, hold on. This actually brings me to a question that I did have. Okay, so this is about continuity. This is, once again, a nerd thing. It's all right. So, E, or I'm sorry, Drama and Vince have the same mom. Yeah, it's it's, the it's, dad? Not a mis- it's not a mistake at all. Who's the dad? So, um, the dad, they don't share a dad. They okay, share so it, they have the same the- mother. I said they have the same dad. And then when I wanted to do the episode with the moms, everyone was like, you're a moron. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, like, by the way, there was no internet. I probably wouldn't have done it today because I would have gotten like attacked yeah but but most people didn't remember it till they watched the show over again right and then the truth is why did i do it because the image of the four mothers getting off that plane got yep. me excited the four dads just didn't so i just right. changed it that's well it. first off that's a great music moment too uh joe cocker feeling all right going in the background that's that was a great my call not venner's <laughs> and there you go take the credit classic it rock was, it was to me when when uh i remember that scene like i remember watching it being like he's like uh, you got you got mom's calves. I got dad. They say two things about the chase men. Uh, no cat. What is it? He's like, no, no child, child support. support, no no support, support no I mean, calves. that's actually one of my favorite fucking lines. And the idea that like, he's talking about his dad with no calves. I mean, Dylan, <laughs> from the minute I met Kevin Dylan, I was like, every word I give this guy is going to be funnier than I write. It, it really Pure was comedy. And, and he does it on the podcast too. When he shows up. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Dylan shows up every third podcast. So. It's like fucking Ken, dude. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, fucking Ken, dude. This, <laughs> fucking this, Ken. This is what I think when I think. Of Ken and this is why I don't come on. <laughs> in the scene when uh he gets caught jerking off in the trailer. Oh, great for scene five, for five. Uh, Eddie was, Burns. Five. Yeah, Eddie Burns directing that one. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "All right, we we're we're gonna do some still shots or whatever." He says, "I don't know the actual acting lingo, but no, he like, wants he wants to see some response shots, the action shots. Response shots. He's like, right, I, want, I, want you guys, I just want to interject. I want you to watch that scene again, not the jerking <laughs> off thing. Before that, <laughs> when he tries to motivate himself, when he looks in the mirror and says, "You're a little bitch." Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and watch DiCaprio. Do the exact same scene. Oh, I mean, it's literally like the same wow. fucking scene. I'm not suggesting anything. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. Tarantino, not, come see me, dude. <laughs> which Quentin is my favorite, but I did did write the line in that like, 
about this Asian director doing the commercial. I said, he's the next guy Quentin's going to steal from, you know? So, uh, so that's, uh, that's, you know, but it's the same scene. It's literally the same scene. It's Leo. I, I actually posted it, Leo doing it and Dylan doing it. When he's like, Hey, like I want an embarrassed scene, right? Or a embarrassed shot right here. And, and he's like kind of struggling to, uh, come up with like an embarrassed face and embarrassed, pers- uh, 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 like, like face or whatever. And he whispers in, hey, we caught you jerking off in the fucking trailer. was <laughs> on, you asshole. And his face, like, you, you know he's acting, watching it. But then his face looked like he was actually just completely humiliated. Yeah. It, it, like, it, like the, the, it's those small little intricacies of the entire show with yeah, specifically yeah. Uh, Kevin Dillon and, and then, like, other guys that – like drawing the show, I'm like, dude, these guys are really fucking good actors. Like they're actor, they're acting to be actors, but they're like, the way they do it's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, he's you know was nominated for Golden Globe and an Emmy, and still underrated, you know. So, I mean, th- this to me is just honestly an honor to be here because this is me and Ken have been talking about this since 2011. We've been in love with the show. And, I mean, we had a friend in college. I just want to me- like mention this kid because he's going to get pissed if I don't. Chris Valeni, one of our <laughs> college roommates, used to always, when we would go to bed in college, he would lay down and go, Turtle, tell me a story. <laughs> that when, remember the episode where they had the fucking the Israelis yeah. in there? Yeah, he would always do that. So this this has been a part of our lives for a very long fucking time. And I just want to say, Doug, tell, tell Chris, I appreciate it too. I won't fuck Chris, fuck Chris. We will not let him know. We'll never give him that credit. I mean, listen, people say, did you get tired of that? No, I I love that because I didn't write this to like not have it be seen. I really did. I know that every high school around the fucking planet earth, there's groups of, of guys and girls that relate to friendships like this. And, you know, I hope that's the legacy of it, not some fucking nonsense about chasing women and this and that. Mm-hmm. It's not what the show is about. Oh. And it honestly was this less nudity on Entourage than there is on fucking Sex and the City, probably. But, Facts. but you know, it's, it, it, it's, it is what it is. And the times you got to roll with them and see what happens. So, I mean, honestly, I, I, I just I know how much Entourage means to so many people. And I just coming from the three of us, I. I mean, it's a huge, like I said, there is a living creature in my house that is named after the main character of Entourage. You tell me whether or not it means something to me. You know what I mean? Like, I love it's it. Very- I love it and I appreciate it. And I had, you know, my cats, you know, I had a cat named Chevy named after Chevy Chase when I was young. I got a dog named after fucking Charles Oakley. And, you know, I mean, like, that, like when you have your stuff that you love and I love if, you know, I, I do get. I get a lot of pictures of dogs, Johnny drama. I get pictures of kids that are named Ari. And of course it makes me feel great. And Sloan, by the way, a lot of children named Sloan, but I took that name from Ferris Bueller. I loved her name. And and that's where I got that from. So. I mean, honestly, I I can't believe my wife. When, when the dog came out, we adopted him and he ran out of the back and I said, he's a fucking superstar. Look at him. He's a movie star. He's gorgeous. I was like, he's Vinny chase. That's what it is. She didn't like it. No, she loved it. She found the trust me when I say that my wife likes my dog eight times more than me. Like (laughs) if I left and the dog was here, we'd be fine. As long as Benny Chase was here, we'd be good. But Doug, (laughs) honestly, man, we have one question left and it's been the question that's been burning up all over the internet. Do you think there's going to be a reboot? Honestly? Um, do you want there to be, or are you cool where it is now? Um, cop tough questions. I mean, 
I'm feeling really good about the podcast and I'm feeling mm. like we're giving, giving people content that is in that vein. If HBO called and wanted to put it together and everybody wanted to do it and I can figure out how to do it without it being something I don't want it to be. Right. But yeah. while, while being what I do want it to be, I do want it to be modern and now and representative of what the world is today. But do I, I don't think about it. So mm. what's happened since the podcast started is it's definitely grown the Entourage brand. And now people are asking me about it all the time. And I'm having such a good time with all of these, everyone that's come on. I'm not against it, but I really don't spend time thinking about it. I think about how we can entertain on the podcast. I'm supposed to do this other uh, soccer show in Europe, um, but we'll see. You know, I, oh, I, the Thierry Henry thing. Yeah, so we'll oh, see. Wow. But I, I don't, I don't. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Like it's something I wish I was doing 20 years ago. You know, and um, and the idea of Joe sitting Rogan's down and what'd you say? And that's why Joe Rogan, he was like first one to step into that that space a little bit. Yeah, he was he was smart and he's good. But uh, I, you know, I I just I enjoy it and I enjoy what's going on now in the world is. I feel like I can make my own content and I can say and do what I want without listening to a bunch of fucking executives and other assholes telling me what I can do and what I can't do. Why the fuck do you think we're sitting here? We're literally musicians who said, we don't give a fuck about the people in suits. Let's see if our personality can drive us far enough. And, and, and by the way, it's possible and it can. And, um, you know, it's like all the executives, all the executives that were around for entourage and, and reds, read scripts and gave comments none of them have come out and said oh you know entourage was a great show you know they they've hbo in my mind kind of has been hiding it for the last year they've been throwing you under the bus in a weird way i feel i feel like it and now it's starting to come back because people are are hopefully pressing play on hbo max a lot but i I don't know i don't i don't think about it but i do think it's a possibility whereas a year ago i would have told you there's zero percent chance i will ever be involved with. well let me tell you something in the budney household it's been running on loop for like four weeks so I don't know if that means anything to you. The Bundys are me. So like Bud, like Bud or Ted. B-U-D-N-Y. Yeah, it's like Bundy, but you reverse it. It's a it's a whole Ellis Island situation. We were Bud Nikowski and changed it. So I like it. I like it. Now here. Do you all right? When's the last time you talked to Jerry? My birthday, a week, two weeks ago. Okay, so I've gotten to know Jerry on a very, very small level. So I work for Barcel Sports. I'm sure you know. And I hit him up today and I'm like, Hey, Jerry, I'm interviewing Doug Allen today uh, for our podcast. Do you got any dirt on him? Not looking for like actual dirt, just like shit. I don't I have dirt. I'm like, shit, I can bust your balls about, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he respond to me. first time ever. He hasn't responded to me. So text him be like, Hey, Dave, White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports says, thanks for getting back to him. Thanks for going. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him. I, by the way, I thought that was going to be something good. I'm like, what could Jerry really? I mean, I don't think there's any. <laughs> no, I, I didn't want, like, even if he would, like, if he would have said, like, oh, dude, I got this really story, like, uh, like, we were, like, we were lucky that the cops weren't there. Like, I would have been like, don't, don't continue. Yeah, I we buried swear, this no. guy in Vegas. <laughs> I swear, if you said Jerry told me something crazy, I'd be like, uh, there's nothing that, you know, that's. I that's, thought you were going to say. I thought you were gonna say, yeah. If Jerry told you something, Turtle be dead in the in the reboot. So it's like, <laughs> no, I, no, show I, up. I, you know what? It's like, like I say, Jerry's like, Jerry's like my little brother. But mm. 
there's not a lot of dirt, you know? That's why it, it frustrates me when anybody writes anything. I was like a guy, I didn't even go out. I was married the entire time Entourage was on. I used to work 24 hours a day and go home. Everyone's like, oh my God, your life must've been so sick. I'm like, you know, if you, if you like Dude, sitting we, in your office all day. <laughs> we, had, we had our tour manager on one of the first episodes, right? And so Dave thinking, all right, these guys are fucking musicians. They play around the country. And Dave goes, Allie, tell me some dirt on Colin and the Foxtrot boys. Tell me what the deal is. And Ellie goes, I don't know. They fucking like, they talk too loud. I don't know. They don't have any dirt. I'm one of those guys. I'm married. I'm 29. I got, I got no fucking stories. I don't have anything. I got no stories, I dude. Rock stars are crazy anymore. It's it's not like the old days. But anyway, I Jerry's got no dirt on me, but I would love to hear what he would have said. I think that, that's probably why I didn't text you. He's like, uh, I don't have anything. But No, he's like, I want a spot on the reboot, so fucking don't say anything. No, I mean, I listen, that. I wouldn't do a reboot without all of them, no matter what. I mean, it's, it's just... Uh, it's always, I like that. It's always been like that. One yeah. of the best dudes ever, by the way, Sheriff. Yeah. One he's, of the best dudes ever. He's, he's great. He's great. And he, you know, he's, he's been on the podcast three, three. Or yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question. This right. is, I was, I was following because obviously I'm checking out all Barstool stuff. You, yep. you talked to KC or KFC and Fuddleberg and, and you said on that, your plan was to kill Vince on the last episode. Is that true? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Wahlberg stopped that. He shut that down quick. Like Mark, Mark didn't get involved with creative discussions unless like he was asked, but he was like, yo, are you out of your fucking mind? We're not killing Vince. You know, it's like, we're going to do a movie, which we did, but he was like, we're going to do three movies. We're going to do three Ooh. movies, a cartoon, a fucking opera, a Broadway show. I was like, you're right. So, uh, I don't know. How were you, how were you going to kill Vince? Uh, it was going to be a drug overdose. Oh yeah, God. but I mean, you know, if you listen, if you listen on the podcast, I had a scene. I had Dylan read his eulogy that I had written, like, oh my God. and I literally, I have the scene where Mark called me while I was like typing. He's like, Lev was like uh, our producer, who's who, who's his Steven manager, Stephen Levinson. Yeah, Stephen yeah, Levinson, yeah. and Le he, Mark's like, Yo, I'm like, what's up? He's like, Lev just called me. I'm like, and he's like, we need lunch like today. I was like. <laughs> All right, but I mean, I, I Dylan, you got to watch it. Dylan, I mean, we, I posted on Instagram, but it's on the podcast. Dylan read a eulogy scene for uh, for Vince dying. And I, listen, I was getting so many people writing, nothing bad ever happens to these guys. So I'm like, oh, we'll just, oh, just fucking murder them. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on real quick, because I have one more question right now. I didn't get to. How many times in the series does E say the lines? Dude, we're so fucked. It you know, has somebody, somebody. That's not you who sent me that, right? Somebody sent me a video of it. No, like a compilation of it. And sometimes, <laughs> honestly, sometimes I write. Now, even I'm like, am I stealing that from someone? Am I stealing that from myself? <laughs> like I've heard it, or I haven't heard it, or did I just make that up? So I couldn't even tell you, you know. But I, I have heard that he said it a lot. Apparently, dude, it's it's such a ubiquitous thing in the music industry because whenever something happens to us. Like we'll be going through a situation and be like, all right, our manager isn't here. Or we broke off a contract with the record label. And I'll say out loud, dude, we're so fucked. And instantaneously I go, we're in the fucking entourage situation where it's just like, we're so fucked. And then the next day something great happens. And we're back to work. Say, it always works work out. out. Yeah. 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 And, well, and then the, Ken, that's, and, the, that's the thing. Like I said, you know, the media, they all jump on this bandwagon. And there was like all these words about it always works out. And I was like, it's a Sunday night show that's supposed to be fucking wish fulfilling. <laughs> what do you want to happen to them? And I listen, I'm not even sure if anyone that I worked with agreed with what I was doing because season seven, I was like, oh, you think it all works out? I'm going to go fucking dark. Yeah. And then everyone told me they hated that. So 
I with the movie, I went back and said, I'm going back to season one of Entourage with this movie. So yeah. anyone who fucking hates the Entourage movie did not like Entourage. That's just that simple, you know? And at the same time, fuck them because everybody who loved the show loved the movie. So fuck well, off. You know, unfortunately, if it was 2021, I could have said fuck them because it would have played on HBO Max right. and it would have been a great success. Yeah. But when you go out in a movie theater, you got one weekend and either enough people show up or they don't and enough people did not. But, you know, it is what it is. In this life, there is only scoreboards, no asterisks. Exactly. That's exactly That's right. Oh, oh my talks. God. I fucking capped <laughs> exactly right. that off and perfectly. <laughs> here we go i want to see what this somebody is fucking, no somebody fucking moved us oh. <laughs> this is because the president of warner brothers told me to fucking frame this because i would never see something this good in my career again this is the scores for entourage so you know these are off the charts like a definitely recommend of 84 percent Every movie in the world is happy with that. And the fans who came, we got great exit polls, which means they ask people when they leave, what do you think? And we were the number one movie of the weekend, but not enough people went. And then the critics, they acted like this was the worst movie ever fucking made. It was really I strange. It. So I, no, I, no, I, all, the, all the OG fans, all the true fans loved yeah. that movie. Like uh, I said, if you, I mean, it, like, going back to the beginning of the show, like you were talking about how like media has shifted to what it's shifted to. It might have been just a little too late, I guess. It was. We, we should have right. been out 18 months earlier. But either way, history will be what it is. And they'll, de they'll decide. I like with Victory the Podcast, we've definitely brought it back to a good level that it wasn't at two years ago. And hopefully we can keep building on that. You know? you go. All right. So you, you said you're 53 years old. You're six years younger than my dad. So my dad grew up on, uh, sorry, my, I got, I got young. Parents. Where the fuck is this question going? My dad grew up on animal house. My dad introduced me to animal house. I, my dad grew up in the same town as, uh, as Belushi's. So uh, there's a little overlap there, but anyways, I was introduced to animal house through my dad. Assuming I do procreate, which is looking very slim chance. You're going to start having sex this year, Dave. I know. I'll, I'll get laid eventually. <laughs> I'll introduce my kids to honor. There's going to be that generational, like, I, it, I hope so. Know. I hope so. You know, it like absolutely even, will. even movies like, you know, animal house. Now they, I don't know that specific. They re they're re-examining things and going, yeah. is that okay? Was this okay? And, Animal House was considered like it wasn't a raunchy comedy. It was considered a really brilliant, subversive movie about going against authority. And Harold Ramis, who I was lucky enough to, to meet before he passed away. R.I.P. Who did Stripes and fucking Caddyshack and Groundhog Day amongst Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah. You know, I mean, Animal House is one of the greatest comedies of all time. And of all time, yeah. I don't well, even know if kids watch it anymore. I don't, I don't well, know. Let me ask you, you know? a question. When was the last time you saw something genuinely funny come out? I'm serious. I, I don't know. I mean, you know what? It's hard for me to say. I mean, Fleabag, I think, is a genius show. Oh, which I no, watch, that's great. But I don't watch a lot of movies or TV anymore. I mostly watch documentaries now. And and I, I, don't, I don't know. I've been, I mean, during this pandemic, I've gone through stages of shit, but mm. I, I just haven't been into the whole Hollywood thing right now. Like I, the Oscars are on right now. I could give a shit. Oh, right? I give no a fuck 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 right here. 
Yeah. We've done a big segment on the on the Grammys, and of course, it's it's us, Dave, and then fucking Kenny from AWOL Nation. By the way, Kenny is very butthurt about that because Kenny has one of the biggest songs of all time and didn't get nominated. So Kenny lets you know that all the time. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about the Grammys or the Oscars because honestly, for the regular guys and girls out there, it's just people jerking each other off. We know that. It, it really but, is. And it's like, I, you know, God knows how many people are going to make their speeches tonight, which I get it. We all want social justice we all want equality for everybody but you, there's got to be a moment of peace where you can just listen to a song or watch a fucking movie or watch a basketball game or something you know well, what's the the richie ricky gervais thing like two years ago where he was just like listen you don't know anything about anything just shut the fuck up and sit down <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i love it for that i loved every minute of that too i know that's why you listen you can't you can't say anything too uh too bad and again i'm not really trying to i just I want to watch a movie and I want to decide what I think about it myself. I don't need anybody to tell me what I think about it. And, yeah. you know, and Reverend. It also, I just don't need millionaires. Tell me what the fuck to do. Like, I, I just. Sound good, know, right? We can go, we can go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, anyway. I was going to say we can dive <laughs> down there, but either way, all I have to say is I'm so fucking happy this happened. Doug, we can't thank you enough for being My on. My pleasure man. guys. Thank you very much. And tell your friends, Philly, we need some victory. The podcast listeners a fucking. Yeah. Dave's in Chicago too. So what do you guys like though? By the way, you like fucking Pats. You like Tony Luke's what's the spot. All right. So I live in Roxborough. I'm from Northeast Philly, but I live in Roxborough. So Roxborough, the spot is uh, Dale Sandro's, which is literally right. It's right around the corner from my house. I'm a Steve's right. Prince of Steaks guy. If you were in high school, I'm from the Northeast. We can go to Steve's. Steve's is the back half of a fucking dive bar that you get right. into when you were 14. Right. So Steve's is my spot. I live near Dale Alessandro's. If I got to pick a big spot, none of them. Fuck them all. See, I give Ken chick because Ken's from Delaware County. It's right outside of Philly. So it's like. Delco. Yeah, it's Delco. <laughs> Actually, HBO, the, the mayor of Easttown, the show that's out now with, with Kate Delco. Winslet is Ken's neighborhood. But I actually I did watch I did watch that pilot last week. What'd Fuck. you think of that? I think it's extremely well done. It was so depressing that I just <laughs> was like I, I don't <laughs> need Delco. This. You know, I mean, and it's not that I mean like it's dark. I watch a lot of murder mysteries. It was just everything about that show was horrific awful people and just like it just depressed me what's your favorite hbo show besides entourage ever yeah ever i mean i mean i don't even know if entourage is my favorite but my favorite shows are sopranos the wire larry sanders show Ooh. i i think i love sex and the city i mean like people always ask me that i think sex and city was a great show um curb mm. i don't I'm, I'm trying to think what else is even on um I don't want to leave anything out, but Oz. No, and- could, I, could I ask you a quick question yeah. regarding HBO shows? Dom and um, the guy that played Alan are from The Wire, and I've noticed yeah. HBO shows use similar, same Overlap, actors. Yeah. It's very incestuous. Is there like no, an no, no, nothing to do with that. It literally, because HBO has nothing to do with it. I'm casting a show, and I'm looking for people. Now, Dom is Mark Wahlberg's friend and Jerry's oh. friend from before the show. So I met Dom before I met Jerry, and I wanted Dom to play Turtle when it was going to be Shit. Mark Wahlberg and Dom, and it was going to be this fucking crew of, like, some of my friends from high school. And, <laughs> and HBO was like, we don't want to make The Sopranos in Hollywood. Like, so it was going to be more like the first episode that I wrote was they were a little tougher. They got in fights, which they ultimately ended up getting in fights. And, and by the way, you know, Jerry is a tough little fucking guy and a good, good little oh, athlete. 
They but, beat the shit out of Seth Green. Other than that, what are we talking about here? But I'm saying, like, the Wahlberg Dom crew was going to do some fucking damage. In <laughs> and I love Dom as a human as, yeah. and as an actor. So after we couldn't, we like, we figured out we wanted to make it a little younger, a little softer. And I don't mean weaker. I just mean a little, a little more sweeter, a little sweeter, yeah. you know, around the edges. Jerry um, was perfect. Yeah. Jerry was perfect. And, but I was still obsessed with Dom and I'm like, Dom, you're, you're on this show. I have to figure out. Then I put Dom on the show based on a friend of mine coming out from high school and people fucking hated Dom. And I was like, I have to save this. So Dom, you're coming back. I don't know what the reaction was on the second one. Mother he stole that candy bar, dude. <laughs> he fucking stole that candy I bar. I fucking love him. But my mother called me after that episode aired, and she's like, I hated this episode. I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's wrap it up. I got to make dinner. My no, you're no, good, no. man. Yo, everybody, go check out Victory of the Podcast. Thank you, Doug Ellen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate this it. This is unbelievable, man. Thank you so much. Be good. And uh, the Eagles will get better. Don't worry. That's what about the what? Fuck the Bears. Bears are they're dead. They're dead as a doornail. Yeah, Bears suck. I don't know. I mean, are they going to get Russell Wilson or no? That's not going to no, happen. No, they're, they're you guys are going to get Mac Jones and you're going to fucking live with it. <laughs> Ooh, definitely. Uh, we got well, enjoy, we'll enjoy, enjoy a deep dish pizza too. But uh, <laughs> that's all tourist <laughs> shit. Get out of here. All tourist shit. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Doug Owen, you're the man, dude. Thank you Be so good, much. Guys. You know. See ya. Thank, Thank you. Doug. All right, so that was our interview with the creator and writer of Entourage, Mr. Doug Ellen. Ken, was it as magical as you hoped it would be? That and 10 times more. Yeah, you have to talk to him for so long, and he just, he wasn't an open book. I'm so glad he answered the question about Johnny Drama at the fucking YouTube concert. That was awesome. I'm also glad I got to tell him about my dog. My fucking dog's name is Vincent Chase. Probably all- the best fucking character in that whole goddamn show. Uh, Johnny? Oh, easily. Yeah, dude, he's the best. I love drama, dude. I, I Dude, we didn't even talk about Ari that much, because Ari to me is like... I fucking I don't know. I could go on forever about this. We just talked about it for like an hour and a half, so I don't need to ex- like explain anymore. But if you listen to that interview and you loved it, go listen to Victory the podcast. Also, go stream Entourage on HBO Max just on loop forever, so they pick it up and do another movie. So, uh, shouts out to Doug Allen. Thank you very much for coming on. Before we get out of here, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, I'll start it out, and this actually leads me to a quick question. My pick is Hackensack by the band Fountains of Wayne. Ooh. Dude. I put this writers in the history of songwriting. Adam Schlesinger. That was his name, right? R.I.P. R.I.P. Just passed away this past year. That Welcome Interstate Managers is one of the most underrated records of all time from the early 2000s. He also wrote and performed all the music for the movie That That Thing You Do. He was the wonders. This is my question. And I put this up on the on the podcast Twitter and actually got some good answers back on this. Are they the band? with the hit song that is the least representative of the rest of their catalog because Stacy's mom is their biggest hit yeah. if you listen to the rest of that album they are perfectly crafted pop songs just beautiful well, melodies the best parts about it is if you take any fountains of wayne song and you just break it down to an acoustic guitar and a voice it's like holy fuck this song is incredible Dude, songs like Mexican wine are off that album and a hack and sack and uh hey Julie like great songs but the 
Stacy's mom is not representative of the rest of their shit. And some of the other answers I saw on here, you know, the band Extreme, they have that song fucking uh, More Than Words or whatever the fuck it is. That's it. Yeah. With ben, that's uh, Betancourt. You know, Betancourt. That's one of the, 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 the songs. But like me and Ken pointed out, Ken, who's your pick? I said, if you're talking about just an album, <laughs> the one Sugar Ray album would fly. <laughs> and then if you listen to the rest of the album, it's just like, punk rock shit that sounds nothing like they're like fly. fucking punk metal shit and then they're known for i just want to fly and if you listen to the rest of it is fucking mark mcgraff just There's going a song off. called cash and it's just him yelling cash i need some fucking cash yeah so they might be one of them uh fucking there's so many good ones and i want interaction on this online so i'm gonna repost it tomorrow but fountains of wayne shouts out so ken what the fuck have you been listening to i've been on a bit of a John Bellion kick. Let's Have go. you ever looked at his YouTube videos yeah, where awesome. he breaks down the making of the songs? So the song Life is one of them. If you haven't, go check it out. Like his production and just how he does everything himself mm-hmm. with his voice and acapella is fucking awesome. He's a great musician, man. He's a good songwriter, too. So. That's a good pick. Uh, Dave, what the fuck have you been listening to? Um, <clears throat> I saw you liked my uh, drunken Corey Wong tweet last night. Dude, I've gotten... I've had that song stuck in my head for so so the song's called Smooth Move. Smooth Move. It's there's no lyrics or anything, it's just him on the guitar, dude. He is unfucking believable. Corey Wong's god moved. level, dude. He's the I can't I literally can't wrap my head around how good of a musician he is. Facts. Also, maybe smarter than everybody that we've ever met. He I, really I, is. When we had him on the podcast, I no lie, I got done with that interview and I, I had to go sit down and be like, I am dumb he's just smart i felt like i was mentally three steps behind that motherfucker at every turn it was unbelievable and not in a bad way he's not like no, a con- no. he's not like condescending it's just i felt like he was reading my thoughts and by the time i got the last word out he was ready to go he's just that fucking smart so dave by the way keep it up with the drunk music tweets i've been enjoying that yeah yeah now it's turned into kind of a joke but um there's the funny part about it was is i i didn't even realize i had already said something about him like earlier in the day <laughs> So it was, it was, uh, yesterday was a shit show. Let's say I'm, I'm following all the fucking barstool people a couple weeks ago. And I just see people putting up pictures, everybody at the bar and shit after the dozen. And then I just see this tweet from Dave, like 20 minutes later. And it says, you are my wonder wall. And then he, <laughs> there's he, a story behind that. He tweets after oh, it and puts a music note. Like I'm supposed to know he's singing it. It's like, <laughs> it's like your AI was, away message. We were at this, some bar and there was just a dude on a fucking acoustic guitar, like in another room. So you could kind of hear him kind of not. And he was playing Wonderwall, and I'm like, it was just stuck in my head. <laughs> and everybody always does the fucking, I wanted it to look like an aim away message, and I didn't do it, bro. So I, I added it, and everybody's like laughing at it. I'm like, you guys are idiots. Like, you don't know the backstory. <laughs> like, I kind of made myself when I did that. This song is very deep. No, I like that. Keep doing that shit. I like that. All right, Kenny, what the fuck have you been listening to? Uh, I'm keeping it in the friendly neighborhood of my little clique, and there's a band called Winneka Bowling League. Um, kind of oh, a- I know that band. Isn't that uh, Christopher Mintz Plans? Yeah, well, it, Chris is a good buddy of – so the band is really Matthew Como, one of my best buddies in the world. Uh, he was a massive DJ, like EDM DJ for a while. He fucking hated it, and he's always been a beautiful songwriter. He's written songs for Ricky Spears, Shania Twain, fucking like – his name He's like, and he's only like 30. He's like – he's a so – songwriter anyway he started his own band uh called Winneka bowling league they put out a lot of music and he's got some new stuff coming out soon but i was going to call out a song called feeling california because he actually says my name in the song and it's kind of tight so shout out oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. only kenny could tie it back into make it himself ah, <laughs> uh, no you should always do that 
Chowd, speaking of ourselves, our pick of the week this week is Like It That Way by Fox Shot on the Get Down. Oh my fucking God. great song by this great band. No, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm fucking proud of this song. I really like this one. It I'm should glad. be. It's good. It's yeah, really it's good. Cool. Uh, we wrote it uh, after we had this song we were going in to do, and I said it was during our time in quarantine where we were having our fucking bring a goat into the studio moment, like in Dewey Cox, where they have like 50 didgeridoos and a fucking yeah. goat. We had like 30 tracks on this one song and hadn't even put guitars or vocals on it yet. We had background singers. We had fucking, it was, it was a cool song, but a shit show. And uh, I flew to Nashville to try and simplify things. I went down there to write with my buddies, Trace and Joe. And uh, I came back and I just wrote all these really simple fucking like hives ripoff songs is basically what I was calling them. And uh, we went in and we cut the drums, bass and guitars all live in a studio in Fishtown in Philadelphia just layered over vocals and sax and we had great organ from Shane on there too. Yeah. And I just I I just wanted to do something where I could turn my brain off and just fucking make something that kicks a little bit of ass and so we have like a bunch of singles to follow up after that but nice can work. anything <laughs> I mean the song it's always great when you write something and the bass here is like okay it's there. <laughs> like I didn't have to like it's just follow the power chords yeah. and do like a little walk and it's gone today. Boom. So we're going to go into that uh Guys, great fucking job again. Shouts out to Doug Ellen. I know everybody's got things to do. Dave's in New York. Kenny's got fucking things to do, and we're going to get shit done too. But I just want to say, I want to get in the same room as everybody soon. Tired of this Zoom yes. shit. Absolutely. Let's fucking do it, man. Let's fucking do it. Well, we'll talk about that I later. I haven't been to L.A. before. Just saying. Facts. Yeah, you to stay, man. I've only been to LAX. haven't left the airport. Got a, well, we'll, a suite for you in my house. We'll Perfect. talk about plans. We'll get into plans later. We'll talk about that. We got things coming up, but... uh. We also have next week, we have Chad Stokes from the band Dispatch will be our guest. Ever heard uh, of him? Ever heard of him? Fucking, yo, great fucking guy. We talk about their new record that just came out or is coming out. Great guy. Great shit. Fucking Dispatch reminds me of Westchester playing the general in the fucking, oh, yeah. in the quad. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, seriously, Chad Stokes. Thank you, Doug Allen. Uh, we're going to end it on our song. Go stream it. Do all that shit out of the playlist. Pre-save it Pre-save. if you want to. <laughs> Pre-save. Fucking, no, nah, it's too late for that. But uh, fuck you guys. We love you.